Media well, he covers your story, your story will be covered from the ground up. Welcome back to a new episode of The Jason Lee Show. Now, everybody knows if you follow me online, I know a lot of people. But this person I've known for so long that I, I'm happy he's here, but I'm also mad it took so long. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer, extremely uh, boisterous online, and never holds back when he gives his opinion or when it's asked or not. Please welcome Terrell Owens. <laughs> now, I ain't gonna lie. I had to uh, remember to say Terrell because I've been calling you Terrell Owens since I know, I know. And I was about to give you kudos. I'm like, oh, you, you said it right. My team said, make sure you don't mess this up. Uh, I just call you T.O., but yeah, yeah, pretty much. everybody calls you Terrell. Yeah, yeah. Or Terrell. They call me Terrell, but it's Terrell. Media, you would think people in the media world, they would know, they would be able get to it right. yeah, get it right. But, you know. But do you check people when they get it wrong? Cause, yeah. Because people do. call yeah. me Jason Lee, but my name is Jason. Well, I'm pretty sure that's just kind of like, Jason Lee is like your Hollywood name. It is. So, I mean, which would you rather be known for? Hollywood or just Jason? But well, for me, I never really was, I never grew up with people calling me Terrell. It's always been Terrell. And I wasn't, I didn't have the nickname T.O. until I started playing professionally. It was just always Terrell. And then I've even had to argue with some kids that over the years they've heard media people, you know, commentators, analysts, whatever, they call me Terrell. And then I corrected them, like, no, your name is Terrell. And I'm like, little kid, <laughs> my name is Terrell. Okay, so Terrell grew up in Alabama. Um, I always say that I think Alabama is the most countryest um, state in <laughs> no, the United States. Be. Is is Alabama more country than Mississippi? Nah, I don't think, I, I don't know. I haven't really spent a whole lot of time in Mississippi, but I would probably say Mississippi probably a little bit more country than, than Alabama. And I and I don't, I didn't grow up in the country when people say that and they call me country. Because sometimes it depends on if I'm talking to somebody from the South, then my twain comes out. But sometimes people, when I tell people I'm from Alabama, they say, what? I don't, I don't hear the, the, the draw. You hear the twain right now. I tell people I'm Southern. I'm Southern. I'm not country. I don't, the country, I think of like house, long driveway, big yard, all that stuff. No, nah, that that's, not, that's not me. When you think about Alabama, when I think about Alabama, I think of like, like Martin Luther King walking down the road with a lot of people. Is this, is Alabama, nice. am I wrong? Like, is, cause people keep telling me, you gotta come to Alabama, you gotta come to Arkansas, you gotta come. And, I, and I'm like, I don't really know what I would do down there. I mean, it's, it's essentially, it's, it's black and white. It's just like this carpet, black, white. There's really kind of like no, no, no melting pot of nothing. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up around a bunch of Hispanics. I didn't grow, grow up around a lot of Latinos or just no, Nobody other than just white people. Mm. So that's essentially how I grew up. And then, like, obviously, I went to college. Obviously, wherever you go to school, then obviously depends on the demographic attending school. But then, like I said, when I got drafted in 96 to go to the Niners, then I was kind of exposed to a little bit of everything. But you, well, I mean, San Francisco, shout out to my homosexuals. You know, Castro District is right there. It, that's right. different. And I didn't spend a lot of time in San Francisco because. At that time, like I said, the, the, the field, our stadium was in San Francisco, yeah. but our practice facilities were in Santa Clara, okay. which is south of San Francisco. Which is near, more near San Jose. San Jose, yeah. yeah. So I didn't there, And there's a lot of Latinos in that community. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's their area. Mm -hmm. I'm exactly. from Northern California. But I mean, thinking about Alabama and that transition to San Francisco. So Alabama, 
When, so for me, I'm thinking the country. It's not. It's real city or is it rural? Yeah, it's kind of city. You know okay. what I mean? It's not like like there's cotton big fields and pastures <laughs> and things of that nature. It's that's not how it is. I live in Ele- my my t- name of my city town is Alexander City, uh-huh. Alabama. Okay, and so but but there is country out there because Alabama yeah, yeah, yeah. Al- Alabama does yeah. have the Ku Klux people. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's some it's some it's some it's some of that out there for sure. Okay, so when you're growing up in Alabama. Um, you're 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 about to turn fifty, but you look well. It's yeah. the melanin. You look a yeah. lot younger than fifty. But yeah, fifty nowadays it. don't look old though. Yeah, appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's just like you know. I like I said, I try to take care of myself. Uh, obviously, like I said, playing sports. Um, obviously, getting into nutrition. You know, taking care of your body. Things Lots of, that of sex. Nature. I mean, hey, that's part of it. Um, we'll talk you know, about speaking that. of skin, I'm getting ready to. Uh, come out with my own skincare line, uh-huh. things of that nature. So uh, yeah, all those things that factored in and made me into the football player that I, that I, that I was, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a conglomerate of things that I, I've been able to do and learn and become knowledgeable about um, as I grew up. So the other thing I heard about Alabama, because I do have some friends out there, most of them call me Colette because they keep going to jail. There is, <laughs> like, like, it goes down in, Al- in Alabama. Hey, we, we, I mean, we're, we're people, man. We're prideful people. Um, and, you know. He must be a spokesperson for Alabama State. We're, we're protective. Uh, growing up, like I said, in, in the South, as far as like colleges, it's either, you know, where I grew up, it's either Auburn or Alabama. I'm road tired all day. Um, I support them to the fullest. Um, Auburn, Auburn is actually closer than, than actually Alabama is. So uh, Auburn is like 45 minutes from me. I went to neither school. I got, I got recruited to neither of those schools. Um, I wasn't talented enough at that time. I was a late bloomer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's just, just, that's, that's the thing about Alabama. You go to in, in high school and then during football season, like that's why so many great athletes that come from Alabama, come from the South. Mm-hmm. I mean, they we, we eat, breathe, sleep, sports. That's what I was going to ask. So it's pretty much that that's what the community is about. Yeah, you think, think Charles Barkley, mm-hmm. Bo Jackson, all these guys, they went to went to Alabama. You know, myself, you know. There's some wow. great athletes that come out of, come out of, and, I, and obviously I'm not naming a whole lot of them, but there's a lot of, lot of people that came out of, a lot of sports and 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 a lot of prominent figures that, that have come from the, Good old state of Alabama. But Charles Barkley, Terrell Owens, and Bo Jackson, three people who were all at the top of their game, but also um, very vocal about what they believed in, controversial at times. Is that an Alabama thing? Is it in the ribs? Like, what is it? I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, we just kind of just, we stand on our beliefs. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to deter from that, allow people to sway us one way or the other. And I think I get it from my grandmother. My grandmama, uh, she, I was raised by her. Um, Again, she taught. She told me about how she was raised, how she grew up, how her mom and dad grew up. You know, talking about picking, picking cotton in the cotton fields, uh, talking about the segregation uh, uh, era um, of really just. I, I can't, I can't fathom what that was like to go to just like blacks only water fountains, black only restrooms, things of that nature. So I grew up listening to all of that, uh, not really fully understanding what that was. And then obviously you fast forward to where we are now and then think about all the things that have transpired, you know, since then um, with the racism and, and just everything. It's come like almost come full circle for me. It's like, man, this is this is what she was talking about. 
So Terrell's never been on our show. I've known Terrell for years. I mean, yeah. we we text or we we stay connected. And I, it's always love when I see you. But a lot of the questions I have because I've never had a chance to interview you. Right? right yeah. What, hey, we're what? here. Like you got me. Uh, this is this is your show. I'm here. I, oh yeah. There's, oh, myself, there's yeah. so much to talk about. <laughs> this guy. Um, because you, I mean, you've had a life. I mean, people yeah. have watched you in, you yeah. know, on TV for years. You may, you've had a successful career. You've had your ups, you had your downs like everybody and they played out in front of the world to watch. But more importantly, like you, you've always, every time I've seen you, it's always been good vibes, good energy. Cause that's who I am. And yeah. regardless of how the media has portrayed me and outside of like somebody personally knowing me, then there's always that perception of who I am as an individual, you know, who I am as a person because of how, like I said, I've been you know, portrayed, you know, throughout the course of my career playing football. And so obviously, like I said, what we go through here today, is, I guess it would be sort of like a precur <laughs> precursor for, you know, my documentary that's about to come out like next year. So yeah. we just got green lit with that for in, in, with Amazon. So, um, you know, look on look out for that. See, he's media trained because he's already dropped two businesses and we ain't even got to the first half hour. He know <laughs> well, what he's hey, doing. Man, just, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm you know, with the flow of the, com the conversation. No, here. okay. So, all right. So, you grew up in Alabama. You were raised by grandma. Where were your mom and dad? Uh, my mom was around. Um, I didn't know. Um, and my mom, like she said, she, she was raised by my, my grandmama uh, as well, her mom. And uh, she had me at an early age, around like 16, 17. And uh, I didn't know who, I, who my dad was until I was probably like a preteen. And then come to find out, my dad lived right across the street from me. So um, those are things, like I said, as a, as a kid growing up, you don't really ask questions. And then, you know, obviously when I found out, I didn't really think about really too much about it or how it would affect me going you know, down the road. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, all of that happened. Uh, finding out my dad had four daughters at the time, my four but sisters. But you find out that the... That the sisters were your sisters because you were warned not to go over there and do nothing with them well yeah i mean so you've heard a little bit about it so yes i mean i do my job too yeah yeah so in the neighborhood like i said we're playing we're playing we had a game called muff kickball all types of stuff so hiding seek um just everything you know with the kids in the neighborhood so obviously me obviously going into you know boyhood I see attractive girls or whatever, so I was attracted to one of the girls that was in the neighborhood that obviously turned out to be, you know, find out that she was one of my sisters. And so that news got back to my dad, and that's when he was like, nah, this is, this, this, this is not about to happen. This can't happen. Hey, well, you know, in the South, I mean, you know. Shit happens. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, yeah, it's how I found out. I didn't really, like I said, at that time, that age, I didn't really know how to grasp or comprehend any of that. I'm like, okay, well, this is my dad. And so then, like I said, at that time, like I said, I didn't understand, I guess, how that would affect his wife or their relationship or anything like that. I was just being You're a, a kid. kid. Yeah, yeah. Right. Kid. <laughs> I'm just a kid. So I'm going across the street, you know, every other day, whatever, watch TV. Cause that was like really the only time I really could like really watch sports and things of that nature. Cause my grandmama didn't let us do anything at that in, in her house. So I got, that was, I got a chance to like, I got to watch all the soap operas over there. I was watching Days of Our Lives, uh, One Life to Live, General Hospital. I never watched any of that at my grandma's house. So literally, like I would, you know, from school, get off the bus, I would go straight over there and really like this when we had the VCR tapes, rewind, yeah. like we would watch, you know, the shows that were, you know, we missed throughout the course of the week and the day. Wait, so you find out these girls are your siblings. And so now how does your mind switch from 
they were cute to now these are my sisters are you now a family do you think of them as like at that time did you look at them as like yeah that i mean yeah it was just kind of like okay yeah these are my sisters you know mm-hmm. what i mean and two of them were obviously older than i was and they were two younger than i was and so i was like in the middle and then uh yeah so we ended up you know obviously went to school same school and then in my immediate family my mom i have two sisters and one brother mm-hmm. um, we we have two you know we have different dads and so, uh, so yeah, so my oldest sister, um, I thought growing up, I thought her dad was my dad. And then even going, once we, you know, we were going to school, like nobody really, I didn't really have a, even a, the best relationship with my, my really sister that I grew up in the house with. Mm-hmm. And then once, I think I probably had a better relationship with my sister that I found out more so than she did because nobody knew that I had a real sister. Everybody thought my sisters on my dad's side, they knew of them. They just thought those were my only sisters. So why were you and the sister that you were living with not close? Living in that house, bro, under under the roof of my grandmama, we barely even talked, bro. She didn't allow us to really do much of anything. Really? Yeah. So did you have that old school go get the switch, grandma? Oh, that part. Oh, yeah. Go get the switch. Uh, My grandma, like she was, she did it in a playful way, but... She meant business about it. Like, bro, she had a hammer or a belt. She'd hit you with the hammer. Not like, I mean, she was like. Was it, is this drinking grandma? Doing oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. She, she, she okay. drank. That's okay. for sure. Yeah, she, she did that. She was in the church. She backslid. Of course. You know I mean, I mean so, six days leading up to Sunday. I mean. Yeah. So I, I experienced a little bit of all of that. So when you talk about like even now just disciplining the kids and child abuse and all that, like that wasn't a really a thing back then. Right. You know what I mean? Like even like when Adrian Peterson got in trouble for whooping his kids, mm-hmm. this and that and the other, in, in the black community, that's how we discipline our kids. You know what right. I mean? That's how we grew up. And you know, you think now, the way kids are acting out, doing all this, it's probably because they're not getting their butts whooped. Right. You know what I mean? Just because the the way of of living at that time. In your household, you had the sister was a half sister, right? And then you had these other uh, siblings across. No, my Mia, my immediate, my real sister. Was that your full, that was same yeah, mom, same dad? Same, okay. same mom. Okay, so dad. that's what I was going to ask. In our family, we don't look at siblings as half-siblings. I don't even know who does that in right. the black community. Right. Did you guys look at each other as half-siblings or just sister? Well, brother? for me, it was same mom, sister by full yeah. blood sister. Like, like now it's like across the street, different mom, different dad. It's like my stepsister, right. my half-sister. Wait, the kid, the kid, the girls across the street were your dad's kids. Yeah. Okay, so you had the same dad. Yeah. Okay. Now, what is your relationship with all of them now? I mean, we're we're better. Like the oldest sister, Carla, we talk like all the time, okay. and she just retired. Congratulations to her, like from the army, thirty eight plus years, CW five, top top best you can get. Wow. And so we we've talked throughout the course of my career, everything from high school, college, pros, probably more so than the others. And we kept, you know, we communicate, communicated sparingly, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, at times. But, you know, Carla, I'd say, would would be the closest one. So there's Carla, Lisa, Tammy, and Cassandra. Her nickname is Nini. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And Did then you, found out we got another sister, Tasha. With the dad? The dad? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> five outside of that. So it, that, you know, she, we didn't find out about that till like, later on. So he so, was a ro- yeah, Papa was a Rolling Stone. So is Dad still alive? Yep. Okay. Yep. And so did he not feel a need to make sure that everybody knew each other, or was he trying to hide all these secrets that he had kind of accumulated over? I mean, his that's life? A, I mean, that's, that's a question I probably I said, 
I could probably ask him. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I did the show Iyanla Vinzant uh-huh. where we did Fix My Life. Uh-huh. So again, he was on there, and that was the first time I literally I had seen my mom and him really sit in the same room, be around them for more than just a pass passing by in a neighborhood or just out in the city doing things. But how did that? Did you? How did that shape you though, as a man? Like, did you have daddy issues? No, I don't feel like I had daddy issues. I think there, there are some things that I missed from having a male figure in my life. Um, those things were obviously, I think, probably needed. Like I said, I never really, like, even in my dating, personal life, things of that nature, things that a dad is supposed to teach a young boy growing up, um, or at least have conversations about, those are things that I didn't didn't have or missed. And so, obviously, me being a father now, I've had, I, I realized I didn't want to have that void for my kids. And so, I wanted to obviously be more present um, in their lives considering what I didn't have and what I missed growing up with my dad. So you're growing up in Alabama. Uh, did you in- endure any racism growing up? Um, there was one incident. It was like after I had made it to the league and uh, there was this uh, diner, a little small diner um, in town. It was it's called Chubby's. And so I think I might have been like my f- after my rookie year, first or second year in the league, and I went to the diner and I was at the diner at the high top. Uh, the t- countertop, and um, yeah, I saw a, a guy, white dude, and this little kid, and they were getting ready to leave. And I put this in; it was in my book too. Um, and so he got ready to leave, and so I was playing with the Niners at the time. And so he had his son. The son had to be probably like maybe three, four, maybe. Um, and so he was like, I guess he was a football fan. And every, at this time, like I'm the biggest thing probably to have ever come out of, you know, make it to the professional level out of my town. And uh, so he saw me at the countertop and they were getting ready to leave. And and he was like, yo, he's like, yo, this is the guy, you know, we were talking about, he plays foot, professional football, he plays for, for the 49ers. And the kid looked at me, he said, who, that nigger right there? And so I was kind of taken back. I didn't know, I was trying to process that right at that moment. And then in an instant, I didn't really know what to say, but, but I thought- But now you're T.O. the star. Well, no, I'm not the star just yet. This okay. is like my second maybe sec- second year in the league. Oh, but point. you've made it. You're in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm in the NFL. Because he said, like, yo, this is who we were watching on TV, blah, 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 plays for the 49ers. And so at that moment, I didn't, honestly, I did, except I never experienced anything to that degree. And so I had to process it real quick. And I was like, I can't be mad at that kid. Because that kid is only hearing what he's heard in this envir- his environment. So... I just let it be what it's going to be. And so, you know, they left and that was that. Okay, so you you before you get to the Niners, you go to Chattanooga. That's where you go to school. You're yeah. playing basketball and football. How did you know you wanted to do football more than basketball? Were you just better at that? Uh, no, I, I I felt like I was better at at basketball. I just happened to I went to the I went to Chattanooga on the heels of a receiver that they were recruiting from my high school, Derek Hall. So, he was better at basketball, football, everything. I just got there. They they went, came down, recruited him, watched film. Um, they saw me make a few plays here and there, and I got to Chattanooga kind of like on the, on the heels of, of him, just off potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like going to Chattanooga, so like I on a package deal. So like every every kid that I meet back home in Stockton, they all have like this ambition to be, join the NFL or NBA. Like every kid right. who's playing sees that their career is going to land them in the NFL. Right. 
when you started in Alabama and then you were going through high school, then Chattanooga College and all that, did you always see the NFL as something that was coming? Or at what point during that journey did you know, like, okay, I'm actually probably going to make it? Never even crossed my mind to play at that level. Um, growing up, like I said, I would always go across the street and watch watch TV. Um, I can't, I, I'm thinking right now, I can't even remember going over there watching any football games. Um, so you weren't obsessed with it as a kid? No, I played the sport, you know what I mean? Like hoop, like in the neighborhood, you know, I was kind of like one of kind of like one of the quickest, fastest, fastest kids. And then, you know, everybody plays the game, throw it up, get tackled or what have you. But I went over there, I play, I watched the NBA games. I was watching the Bulls. So the Bulls are like my favorite team. Then I saw Michael Jordan play against, you know, the, 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 the Lakers when he made the whole move, tongue wagging. I, I watched all of that. That's where I got a chance to like really got exposed to and really took a liking to to basketball. But I never thought I would play football, honestly, really beyond really the collegiate level. Never even thought I would get a scholarship or had the ability to play um, in college. And so, I mean, there were so many great athletes in our in, in, in my city. Like, again, I just wasn't on that level yet to to even fathom or even think or visualize that I could play let alone in college, but let alone at the, the NFL level. I never even really watched a lot of NFL games. If I could, I told somebody this the other day, if I could have had my dream, if I could have done one thing, I would have loved to have played for the University of Alabama. Mm. Like, cause I watched them growing up college. I watched college football. So it would have been more pride for like your community where you come from. Yeah. And like I said, I just never, like I said, I was a late bloomer. I never really thought that I had the ability to, to play at the next level, at the pro level. Like when I see like documentaries or movies of kids who make it to the NFL, it always shows them like sitting there in the dark in their room watching tapes, you know, uh, imagining that this is their way out. You didn't look at the NFL or making it as like a way out or anything like that. No, nah, man, I had, no, I just, I just had, I just honestly, I just, I was just being a kid, man, just growing up, um, just playing a lot of sports. I played, I was basketball, football, I ran track and I played baseball. So in 96, you make it to the to the, um, to the 49ers. Yep. You get there. That was, what, a year before Tupac died? So I remember that it era. Was, it was around that time, yeah, I, I remember the Bay that, Area. Yeah, I remember yeah. that era of where, like, Bay Area music was a big mm -hmm. deal. Uh, Summer Jam was a big deal. Um, so you get to the 49ers. Now, when you make it to the 49ers, because I remember seeing, now this is where I was introduced to you. <laughs> you used to be on TV talking shit. Um, but I think what, what that was when you got to the Cowboys, right? What's, what's talking shit? So this is what I mean. This, so this is this is how I think a lot of people, I guess, mischaracterize, and I think the media has uh, this 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 talking shit is not a bad thing. No, no, no. I'm not saying okay. so. But again, I'm talking about for the masses, mm. especially when you talk I mean, in terms of fans. Yeah. <clears throat> when they start to characterize you, and then those things tend to follow you over the years, and so it, with the media, like. They portrayed me in such a negative light when you talk about talking shit, this and that. But I, like for me, I was confident. You know what I mean? Let they, me let me before you said let me talking shit for me. I, there's a lot of pride. I, I, right? I yeah, you got this confidence. Shit. Yeah. But I think like when you're confident, yeah. especially when you're confident and black, which is not something that right. people want to see. Right. Yeah. And so for me, like I said, when you depends on like I said in this format, this setting, yeah, we understand it. But when it's coming from an entity like ESPN and you got white people talking on, like you said, 
the talking shit, the confidence part, it doesn't come across that way. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it comes across as a negative, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you start talking business stuff. So now people are looking, especially if you're like now you're trying to do business stuff, people fall back on how you're portrayed, your image, things of that nature. And so I was portrayed like with a lot of things as it being negative. And so for me, like I said, I've never, I know the difference between arrogance and confidence. And so I was very confident, you know, in what I did and what I, what, what I, what I, the, the, the things and how I, how I played. And so some of that, like too, growing up, not being so confident, um, being skinny, scrawny, um, a lot of that was sort of like a defense mechanism for me. So when I got on the field, it was like I, I flipped a switch. And so then, like I said, I did things, necessary things to even get me to the level of the guys that I was trying to perform with and be like on that on that stage. When you talk about the the Jerry Rice's, the Deion Sanders, uh, the Barry Sanders, the Emmitt Smith, you know, the Michael Irvins, you know, you're talking about the stars. Like I was trying to get to that level. You know what I mean? I hadn't gotten there yet. So I'm watching all of this, you know, just really just growing up and and just trying to like really maximize my potential and really just take it to another level. But it wasn't an overnight, it wasn't an overnight thing for me. I gradually had to build up to get to what people know and they saw on an every Sunday and Monday night basis as T.O. And so um, when people say, oh, well, he's, he was cocky, he was arrogant, um, talking trash, talking shit, and a lot of people take that as a negative. But yeah, like I said, for me and you, yeah. And then I think about it too, like I never really talk shit. Like when you saw like highlights and things of the nature, it's all of it is on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking to the cameras because I started to understand and understand the business and I started to market myself. And there were things that were being said throughout the media that wasn't I wasn't being accurately portrayed as far as who my character was. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was I was chirping back at the media, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? For like, yo, you don't know me like that. You know, and I started saying, I love me some me, and then y'all hate to love me, and you love to love to hate me. So all those things, like I said, I took an account of all those things that were being said, you know, throughout the course of the years that I played. When you got to San Francisco, you weren't playing that game then. Right, You were yeah. just playing the game of football? Right, yeah. I was just playing just the game of football and, you know, got in, like I said, got into the, me, uh, to the media post-game uh, press conferences and, and once I became started to become and make a name for myself and I started having to make myself available for the media because I was becoming a star. Because of the skill. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, like I said, it wasn't like anything like I don't when I look back on it, it wasn't even like I I had to have any type of media training. It was more or less you ask me a question, you're asking me something about the game, especially as 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 analyst journalists that had really just watched us play for three hours. You're asking me something from my perspective and what you just saw with your own two eyes, and I'm giving you, because I play the game, my honest assessment of what happened, and you turn it around and you spin it, and now it's something negative. Mm-hmm. That's what I didn't like about mm-hmm. it. And then as the years grew by, you know, guys start telling me, like, oh, man, you got to play the game. You got to play the media game. I'm like, I wasn't raised that way, bro. I was raised to be honest, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I wasn't thinking about, okay, my answer may be affecting somebody else's you know, character or their play or what have you. But I'm like, yo, we're all on the same playing field. We're all trying to achieve the same thing. We work hard in the off season to try to reach certain goals, whether they're personal or team-wise, then you should be able to take accountability and responsible responsibility for what you're either not doing or you're doing on the football field. And so 
it wasn't like I was trying to throw somebody under the bus. You asked me what happened. Okay, yo, there are times like I took accountability for my my bad play if need be, but I never really complained. I never could not really. I never complained when we were winning football games. Mm-hmm. I could have caught like two balls, three balls, and we won. Never heard a peep out of me. Mm-hmm. You can you can check it, but if there was games that we lost, knowing my skill set, knowing my involvement, and how integral I was on the offensive side of the ball and what I can do when I get my hands on the ball and I'm not being involved and we're losing, then that's what I had an issue with. Well, when you're there, and this was all happening in 96, so 96 when you entered the NFL, mm-hmm. and then like kind of going through what you were there in, in San Francisco, what, six 96 years? 96 to 03. Okay, so that's so eight, six, seven, eight years, eight years. Eight years. Okay, so that was also pre-social media. So like, yeah. so like when you're there, you've played a three-hour game, you're exhausted. If you lost, you're pissed. Now, at that time, did media know how to like poke you guys to get headlines? Like, I'm sure they did because yeah. that's what they're trained to do. Yeah. But at that time, like I said, I'm 25, 26, 27. I'm not really thinking about you know what angles they're trying, what question they may rephrase a question, still answering the same, you know, asking the same thing. I wasn't really thinking about all of that until I'm like I started getting to the media and it's like, oh, what T said, T O said this, or he said that, or oh, he's calling out this player, he's calling. I'm not, I'm not calling out anybody. Because if I'm playing bad, then I'm going to be called. I'm going to be called out, and so I know what I did, the work that I put in. Especially once I got into position to 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 play the role or be the role or fill the shoes of one of the greatest to ever play the game in Jerry Rice, then for me that was a responsibility that I feel like I felt like I had to live up to the mm-hmm. expectations that I had to live up to. And if my teammates aren't living up to those same expectations, then that's a problem with me. Especially if I see things that are going on you know, within the locker room, outside the locker room, and it's affecting your performance and we're not winning ball games, then that's an issue for me. But when I saw you being more vocal, that was when I think you got to Dallas, right? At that uh, point, did you master, yeah, like, yeah. knowing how to... At what point did you learn that there's a media game playing alongside the game of football, and then at what point do you feel like you got sucked into the media and then being sucked into this whole relationship? Because the media then got yeah. in a relationship. You got in a relationship with the media. Yeah, I kind of I, I kind of knew before I left San Francisco because I had, uh, like I said, there was a few issues that happened. And Jerry Rice was still on the team. Jerry was still on the team. And, uh, you know, we had like a small little conversation. And he was like, man, because he saw what was going on. And he saw the star that I was becoming. And I was polar opposite from Jerry. Jerry's like, media trained, like he knew what to do, knew what to say. And so I just wasn't about that. And so he was like, man, at some point you got to learn how to play the game. And so I was like, shit, you should Wait, me. play the game as in like roll over like and be- Like the media game. Like, no, I know, but like Jerry Rice, you're talking about somebody who I, I don't even remember one word Jerry Rice ever said. <laughs> I just remember he, he was a great player. Right, but I mean, he's well-respected, revered, like the media, like he was like the media- He was their golden child. Like, right, yeah, and everything said, I'm sure there were some- Sometimes that he had his run-ins with the media, but overall, I think the media generally, they liked him. But here I come, this sort of like kid out of nowhere, Chattanooga, um, started to kind of find his way, become really, every year I became more confident in who I was as a person, as a player, and really started to see, I'm like, man, I can really play at the next level with some of the greatest to play this, to play this game. And so, like I said, sometimes a lot of that was like defense mechanism because I was still learning the game. I was still, sometimes I was, I was playing that game, I was playing scared. Mm-hmm. But I was learning along the way, you know, and I had a skill set, like I said, that I hadn't tapped in, I hadn't tapped into yet. And so but was I was Jerry saying, telling you be soft or was no. he telling you like, okay. No, he was basically trying to give me some direction on really kind of like 
how to kind of play the media game, kind of manipulate them a little bit and, you know, kind of use each other, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I just wasn't about that. I was like being honest. Like mm -hmm. I was right. I was like, my grandma raised me to be honest. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know nothing about no playing, no political, being politically correct, none of that. That's not what I learned. And I didn't, like I said, I played at a small school. We didn't, we weren't exposed to media like that. I didn't play at a, uh, a power five school. I didn't play at, you know, your Auburn's, your Penn State, your Michigan's. Played at UT Chattanooga, Division One AA school. And at this time, Steve Young was the um, he was a quarterback. At the time. Was he as good as everybody said he was? Oh, he was awesome. I only, I, I, it's so unfortunate that I only got to play three years with him. Um, he started to have the concussions, and I remember the game vividly. Um, playing in Arizona, Aeneas Williams, he's lined over me, and I'm in the slot. The skies blitz, and he soon as the snap of the ball hit Steve. Steve hit the ground. That was it. Mm -hmm. I went back like when I. It's like first time I really just seen somebody pass, like knocked out mm. on the football field. So when you see, okay, because I mean, y'all know I didn't play sports. I don't, I, that was not my thing. I don't even know if I had a thing. I left high school on a GD because I'd hated being around all the athletes who were cool. I wanted to get to the bag. Um, <laughs> but when but when people see football players playing or just athletes in general, like it's a sport that you, you can get really hurt, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, there's, there's always, there's a risk to, to pretty much every sport that you play. You know I mean? With CTE being a big conversation in the sport, it wasn't back then, and it wasn't until like uh, what about ten years ago, maybe that you know around the time like I said, Junior Seau uh, ended up committing suicide, and I think that was kind of like that that shed light on like what was going on. So it wasn't a thing, as in people just weren't talking about it, or advocating for, it, or people didn't even know what it was. Yeah, I don't just think. Yeah, I just people just didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like. You know, you got you got your bail wrong. You know what I mean? All right. So now you're you, uh, Jerry Rice gives you the advice. You don't listen because you want to keep it real. How? Yeah, it was just like. Did yeah. that work out for you? And then, like, did you ever look back over all that time when you? Because I think once the media knows they can get you and they can get a reaction out of you, then it becomes a thing. Did you feel like that happened? Yeah, I think there was a number of things that factored into to what you're asking. I think. At that point in time, Skip Bayless was in the Bay Area and he was covering San Francisco sports before he got to be who he is and mm -hmm. those other. And so first few years, like Skip was praising me. And then somewhere it got off the off the tracks and then he started talking negative about me. And then I heard like yeah, he would start asking, you know, I started doing this due diligence and start asking questions and, and asking teammates about who I was as a person and this and that and the other. And some of the reports that I've heard is that some of my teammates were like, oh, he's closed, you know, he's kind of closed off. Um, uh, don't really talk to a lot of his teammates. Um, but not everybody talks to all their teammates. You know what I mean? So I, the people that he asked, I think, were the wrong people to ask. Was there ever a point where you were like, I'm going to play into this image and master it, or you just let them no, it do wasn't, whatever they want? Yeah, I wasn't, I, I didn't want to concentrate solely on that or just trying to find a way to leverage or, you know, trying to find, find a counter to what they were doing. And I was just playing, I was still trying to learn and understand how to play the game of football. Like right. I said, I'm young. Like <laughs> I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't TO'd in. I was, I was trending. I was, I had a trajectory on me and I just, I just kept on that on that on that path, and and it's almost like I guess whomever's in your way, you just kind of just take whomever with you, and that's what I did. But I wasn't trying to be disrespectful in any way. 
Um, I was trying to just be the best football player that I could be and become. And again, T.O. emerged. And then I started like, OK, well, cool. This is this is how it is. I started to see how the media uh, started to work. And then even when I tried to dispute or spell some of the things that were happening, like I said, there was things that happened, you know, arguments with coaches or teammates and or like when I went to the star the first time, things that nobody had ever seen anything like that. You know, I started scoring touchdowns and I was celebrating. It was different. And I would do sit down pieces with Andrea Kramer or, you know, Pam Oliver, or th these people that were, you know, you know, Dion when he's, you know, left the game and started doing doing uh, TV. And I was sitting there and I would do these hour and a half interviews to dispel or just to talk or discuss about what happened. And then I'm like, OK, now I get the people can really see what I was thinking, or hear what I was thinking and what went into what. And then it's only a soundbite. Five, 10 minutes, even if that sound bite from the hour and a half, two hour interview. That makes the news. That makes the news. Nobody sees. N where's the other content? Yeah. What but do you now, think? Now, like we, you said, yeah. this is pre-social media. Yeah. Pre-podcast, all of that. So now media has kind of like taken a back seat and really allowed, well, players are really kind of taking their voice into their own hand, their, their everything into their own hands by speaking out using their platform to speak freely and to discuss like and and not listen to the sole narrative of media yeah given your side of the story because that's all everybody heard was just the media side and a lot of these players like including myself you go into these interviews you try to explain and discuss and share with the people that on the outside that want to know what's going on like what really happened and then they create their own narrative and then that's what you're stuck with so then you have like social media today where, yeah, you can take control of of like your narrative more. But now we, now I feel like it's worse than than then because we live in a clip based world now. We literally will take a clip of John Morant in the car with a gun. Yeah. And make and, it make a story. And then that yeah. not it's a headline that won't go away because social media just continues to play things over and over. Do you think you would have survived the NFL during social media, the era of social media? Yeah, I think I would. I think, you know, I think a lot of people have a different perspective and a di different um, outlook on on who I am as a person. Um, and I think that's part of the reason, too, I'm doing the documentary. Um, and like I said, I got coaches, I got players that saw and they witnessed things that that happened during the time that probably would have spoken out, you know, mm -hmm. if it was a space to do that. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a space and we didn't, a lot of guys didn't have the confidence to do it because they probably would have lost their job. Mm -hmm. And so thankfully, like I said, things that transpired over the years, you know, you know, starting with Colin Kaepernick, you know, with what he did, kneeling, and then guys like, you know, Eric Reed, the guy that was his teammate, like he saw like how that affected, you know, black the black community because like we, we've been so suppressed and our voice is not heard because we were scared to and then all of a sudden you know we got the confidence and these platforms start popping up and like people started stepping up like yo we gotta we gotta start speaking up and using these platforms for you know for the better now it's interesting you bring up colin being from san francisco yeah. and the, the culture of the nfl with colin take uh, taking the knee is that something that, I mean, because now, again, we live in a world where you see a lot more on social media. Back then, it was something we hadn't seen. Um, knowing the culture of the NFL, was that something that you knew would have created such a backlash? No, I didn't. I never would have thought, yeah, it would have created the firestorm that, that it has. Um, never thought that this guy would never step back on the football field because of that. Um, but it just really shed light on really kind of, really – 
how this world works and how really a lot of the white people see us. And for so many years, we've tried to voice that. I mean, for 400 plus something years, we've been telling you, this is, these are some of the things that have been going on. And it took, like I said, who would have thought that it took a knee to bring all of this back to life or bring, you know, resurface. But now it seems like it's been so long since he's been out that it's just business as usual now. I mean, you see Jay-Z partnered with the NFL. Now Rock Nation is kind of responsible for uh, the entertainment. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't I don't like that because it's, you're addressing it at that time, but where's the, Where's where's the, the the momentum of what is going on? Where's the continuation of really trying to rectify or bring some type of solution to it? Not just for the moment, you know, we got to continue. It's continued work. It's not just for that moment. And then you you address it, and then it's swept under the rug mm-hmm. after you know a few weeks or a couple of months or what have you. And then, like you said, it's back. To, uh, you know, it's business back to usual it has to be continued effort to to rectify some of these things. Do you think Jay-Z partnering with the NFL was a bad thing for the culture? Oh, no. I mean, only he can answer that. You know I mean? If it's, you know, for the right reasons. And I don't know what those are, but um, obviously for whatever reason that he wanted to partner um, um, with them, you got to continue those efforts, you know, so they're not, they're not done. Whatever his efforts are, they're not done in vain. Mm-hmm. Is, why is there no black owner in the NFL? Uh, I mean, it's like it's, sometimes you know it's like a good old boys league or what have you. I mean, they have, I think, where the the way way that it's set up, um, they have to vote, you know, for an owner uh, to become owner of the team, and you know, you know, majority of the owners are white. But so that's why you've play, seen you've the majority seen, of the players are players of color, though. But like I said, you look at the the dynamics, the dynamics of that that slave type, you know, type of mentality. And I think over the years you've, uh, we've had, you know, several conversations. I know I have with, with a lot of, a lot of the guys that play in the league and honestly, these owners, uh, the way it's set up, they honestly, they have these players thinking that we need them versus the players really understanding the power that they have, letting the owners know you really need us. And until that happens, nothing is really going to change because you said, and you, you obviously you know this, 70 plus percent of the players are black and brown. If we take the leverage and we take an initiative and a stance and like, okay, this is what we need or we're not playing, then those owners, they're going to be in a, in a tight spot. Their backs are going to be against the wall because we don't play. How are they going to make money? And everything is connected. You talk about, just think about all the stadiums, 32, sta- 32 teams, everybody, especially these black players and pe- players in position of power you're thinking about. I'm talking about stars on the team. Um, and there are some, obviously, there are some white players that are, that are, are going to be in support of that movement. They get together and be like, yo, this is what we're going to do. Taking the blueprint of what the NBA doing with some of their star players. Because Adam Silver, he knows there is no NBA without those black players, no star players. Yeah, it's become more internationally entwined with some of those players, but it's totally different than football. You take, you take, you take those black players off that football field. What are you going to play, flag? <laughs> you want to play frisbee? Right. 
And not to mention all the brands that have endorsed them. That's the what Nikes, I'm saying. The TV money, like yeah. all the all the major networks. Yeah. yeah, bro, they gonna they gonna, they would put them in a bind. Bro, I've had several conversations with different guys and people like, bro, you're right, but we as black players, we have to get together, put a plan in place to actually do that. You can't. But why just, don't they do it? Because I feel I like the NFL. I mean, the NBA does a better job. A lot of these guys coming out of college, these young, they trying to really because. The young guys, like you said, we talked about me earlier, talking about you visualizing a kid in a, in a dark room watching tape, wanting to become football players. Not a lot of players took the path or have the path that I did that just realized they had a talent and they wanted to play it and became successful. A lot of these kids, we come from broken homes, you know what I mean? Single parent homes. Just their only way out. And that, yeah, that's when they grew up, they in the projects, running the streets, playing football in the streets. They want their 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 dream is to play in the National Football League. So when that opportunity comes, they're not hearing nothing else. But I'm about to make this money. They're not thinking about down the road. And a lot of them, they're not gonna think about it until they're out of the league. Because all those kids, they're probably not gonna last. But the life shelf is three to five years, if that. No, they're not gonna have no ten to fifteen year career, fortunate enough like I did. And then that's when that's when that's when they're gonna get a rude awakening. And then I'm like, man, I should have done this. I should have done that. But that's why I'm wondering if when you got in the league and you knew you had this, you know, you had the um, the skill to be successful, you're having this successful career, you find your voice and use it, you start to realize that the media is a part of the process of keeping your voice contained, but you then decide to keep using your voice. Do you think the media and how they got into the relationship with you and created a narrative about you is in a way of making you the example to everybody else. Don't, don't, don't speak up. Don't go against the grain. Don't show confidence. Like just play the game and go home and be happy that you have the money or the fame or whatever. Like did they, do you feel like they used you to teach people how to stay in their place? Yeah, kind of, sort of. I mean, they tried to set an example to a degree. I mean, it was just because that's even, what they did to Cap, right? Even with me not making it into the Hall of Fame, like my first, my first go around in 2016, you know, considering statistically where I where I stood, like I'm second, third, fourth all time behind the greatest receiver all time, and you make me wait three times because, like I said, because I was, I was, I was, I wouldn't say boisterous, but I was, I was outspoken. Mm-hmm. You know, I was different. You know what I mean? And a lot of those guys that sometimes like played in the league, then they went into the booth, they then piggybacked on what they had heard about me as far as from a character standpoint and, you know, asking a few players in the, in the locker room or around the league what they thought about me and it was all negative. So it all compounded. And so they used those things to even just, just overlook the criteria and the mission statements of what the, 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 the Hall of Fame and what Canton was about they just overlooked that and brought these other issues to prevent me from getting in. And so after I, you know, I didn't make it the first time, I was like, I was very disappointed. And then after I didn't get in the second time, considering the class that I went in and the people that were available, I was like, nah, this is, this is like this, you know, good old boy league. It's like, okay, we're going to make an example out, uh, out of you. And so after that, I was like, I'm not, I'm cool. But then you made it in. Yeah, but I did my own thing. I didn't go to Canton. But when you made it in, did you feel a sense of validation or was that just because? No, nah, because I still, like I said, I did my own ceremony at, at, at my college. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, like I said, it was me making a statement, um, me understanding that, you know, I'm not going to allow them to really dictate, you know, where I stand in history. And knowing that, like I said, 
the people that they appoint to obviously nominate and then ultimately uh, induct guys into the NFL, they never even played the game. Mm -hmm. They covered the game. And you're holding a lot of people's uh, in their game, you know, in their hands. And so for that, I'm like, it was just disrespectful. Did you let it go or do you still hold on to any animosity? No, I, I mean, it is what it is. I just, I have no really no involvement with the Hall of Fame. I mean, I have someone that, you know, still works with them. They message me from time to time and I'm pretty candid with about, you know, with how I respond and it's, it's still the same mm -hmm. um, because it's disrespectful. You know, it's like considering what I did, like I said, I put a, hard, a lot of hard work into becoming the receiver that I did. Um, really part of NFL history. Mm -hmm. And then even, even with them uh, creating, uh, I guess, uh, what I guess the top 100 players, greatest players to ever play the game at every position, they excluded me from that. And I found out kind of why, because the guy Joe Horrigan, who was at the Hall of Fame uh, at that time, he was part of the recruiting, the, the, the process, the selection process, with the hundred greatest athletes to, to to play the game, and I saw his name on the list, and I said that's why I didn't make it too. But when you look at like what you're describing, you went through, and what Cap has gone through, why do other players not see their responsibility as part of that collective group? Because only the players are the players. Like no, the owners don't have the experiences; they're not putting their lives on the line every time they play. Like why don't the players come together like the NBA does? Because I would say number one, unlike. The NBA contracts aren't guaranteed, mm. so they know they're going to be fake. They're they're going to be messing. They're going to be messing with their money. So they feel, like I said, they feel compelled to to think the way that they think because they this 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 entity, this NFL business entity, they have they honestly they have these football players thinking that we need them when they really need us to make that machine move. Like all the money to generate, like we're doing that. And once they, against these guys, especially like your Russell Wilsons, uh, I would say I would put Aaron Rodgers in there. You think like the guys in positions like star power on these different teams, they get together. And like I said, take the blueprint. Like I said, I would advise them, go talk to your Chris Pauls, your, your LeBrons, your KDs, because these are your Carmelo Anthony's. These are the faces over the years that have made – waves and made I mean they shaped the relationship with yeah, players in the NBA right and, they, and 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 made things happen like even with the bubble when all that those things that were going mm -hmm. on in the bubble like they had players only meetings like they met with like LeBron's like the faces of the NFL I mean the the NBA and discuss the situations and so they moved as a group collectively mm -hmm. these guys are moving individually and once they kind of understand like look at the bigger picture and have players explain to them what the bigger picture is, nothing's going to change. But everybody's moving into individually because you're thinking about it. a lot of these guys. It's only a handful of guys that are making hundred million dollar contracts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's you know some of these new guys they're not they're not making all that money, and the security for some of these other guys is not the security for these new guys coming in. So they don't feel they don't feel safe mm -hmm. to stand out to, to to sit out. But I guarantee you, if they do. The holdout wouldn't last, I guarantee it wouldn't be a month because they stand to lose too much money. And you got to be strategic when you do it. I, Me personally, I would do it, like make it carry on like everything is going good and right before the season, go through preseason if that. Right before the season starts, we're not playing. Mm -hmm.
So people may not know this, but um, T.O. used to work with Trump. In 2015 on no, Celebrity I Apprentice. With Trump. I, I was on his show. I mean, you was... <laughs> I wasn't working with Trump. You, it was a show. It was a game show. I mean, that was when people, black people liked Trump though then. Right, but I didn't have anything against him. I get that. I'm just yeah, playing. I you, know, you, but you, some people really tied that They're going to take that little clip and yeah, put it on they, TikTok. No, but I mean Celebrity like, Apprentice. You yeah. went in, and, but you got fired pretty quick. Did you know? No, I, no, I didn't get fired right off. I stayed. I was there for a bit. How long? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how long, but I did, I didn't, I was there for a few weeks, bro. It was like five episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was, yeah, yeah. I, I, and the only reason I got fired is because we had a, we had a, a task that we had to do, and we had to reach out to some of our celebrity friends to, you know, donate money or what have you. Yeah. And and I'm gonna put Charles Barkley on 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 blast right here. So yeah, I'm gonna put Charles on blast because. Uh, the, we had the task that we had to do, and then we had to get some donations. And so I reached out to Kenny Smith. He and this was like they were still faxing. We were still faxing stuff then. So Kenny faxed over his information for his donation. And then I had talked to Charles. I had talked to Kenny, and Charles was was telling Charles about it. And he was like, "Yo, I'll match whatever." And I missed. So they had to calculate the donations amongst our group, and I missed. I missed it by maybe a few hundred or whatever. And Charles didn't do it, didn't, didn't provide his, his donation. So I ended up getting kicked off because of that. So Charles is the reason why you got fired. Yes. <laughs> Charles, you are the reason that I got fired from Celebrity Premise. <laughs> well, was, was the show fun? Yeah, no, no, no. It was very educational. Uh, it, it, it helped me understand what it's like to be put in a position of like a CEO and you got to delegate mm. and you got to pull, everybody has to pull, pull, pull their weight. And you got to understand like, Everybody's not as going. It's not going to be as experienced in one area or the other. And so, with a different task, like everybody had a strength or a weakness within that. I've never met Trump, but when you're sitting across from him, is he as orange in person as he looks? <laughs> no, it's all TV. I think that was all TV. Okay, but he's had the same hair. No, the hairs. I mean, none of that, all that looks the same. You know? <laughs> Wait, did you know he was a racist then? Like, did you? No, go I in? didn't. I mean, I didn't. Like I said, I'm not one to judge anybody unless you, like I said, you're you you have that encounter. Um, with him or with anyone, you kind of treat somebody according to how they treat you, you know? Um, and so because for me, the, that, wasn't, the, go ahead. that wasn't any like negative exchange or anything like that. And he had his, like I said, he had his perceptions of me because he even said it when we went into the boardroom. Because again, he would ask like, as we did our tasks, the mini tasks, like he had people asking around like how we were with working with other people, who, how I was, you know, with the staff, things of that nature. And everybody had nothing but great things to say about me. So he was kind of probing around to mm -hmm. see if, because he thought I was that person that everybody, the media had been talking about, mm -hmm. airy and cocky, this and that and the other, loud, this and that and the other. But when I'm on the football field, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a totally different animal. Right. So when you're sitting there with Donald Trump at the Celebrity Apprentice, did you look at him and go, that's going to be our president? <laughs> no, I never thought it in a million years. No, no. No, I just, I just looked at him as he was a very successful businessman. Yeah. According and people, like, people that like Trump at that time. Right, exactly. According to that time, like, yo, I, I mean, like, I just felt like, okay, you understand and you've seen and you've heard and you've read things about him. It's like, okay, well, you know, for whatever reason, he's very successful. Now, Stephen A. Smith, that's the one I haven't been able to figure out yet until <laughs> I was preparing for today. Um, if you see Stephen A. Smith in the parking lot, are you putting hands on him? I mean, where are you guys? I'm not putting hands on him, but as I said in the interview uh, with uh, 
all the smoke with Matt and 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 Stack, I'm going to address it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like again, and he understands the power that he has and the powers he's in bed with um, to try to affect my money, the things that I'm doing off the field business wise. Mm-hmm. You know, just to allude in his podcast to say and hold up papers. Looting at, at holding papers up as, as if he has classified documents, or there are things on that paper that would really expose me. And for me, I saw that and I went on, expose me. Whatever you think you got on me, please share it with the world. Mm-hmm. But again, for me, it's all posture and it's lies. And so that's where I am with it. No, but so in doing my research, it all stemmed from you criticizing him, not criticizing him. I think you said a comment years ago yeah, about about, years ago. about his co-host who was white being more black than him. Yeah, and and we were talking about the whole Colin Kaepernick thing too. Yeah, in his in Max Keller's support for Kaepernick. Right, and it was just seemed like Max at the time, the way he was during the discussion, he was more knowledgeable about what was going on, what had transpired with Colin, and what he was doing. And then it was just Stephen A was just like so anti Colin, but then come to find out like he had some stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, trying to prevent Colin from doing X Y Z. And so and then, like I said, wait, wait, don't X Y Z. I'm but, new, I'm but yeah, there's doc. I mean, there's there's documentation, there's documents where you know we have to sign, um, and Colin didn't want to sign some of those things. They had paid, I think inserted some more language in there that he wasn't comfortable with. He allowed his representation to look at it. He didn't want to sign it. Then there was a, a workout that they were scheduled to, 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 to work out someplace that he was supposed to work out at. He didn't. He chose something different. That's his, that's his prerogative. He wanted to work out at a different facility, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, Stephen, oh, well, if you ain't got nothing to hide, if, you, if you're just trying to really get back in the league, then why not do X, Y, Z? Why not just do go where they asked you to go? But they saw something fishy about, number one, the uh, – the documentation, and so I think Colin got you know kind of uh, leery of that, and then chose to do a different path. Like yo, it's you move to another spot. So what? It's a workout. It's not that big of a deal. But you're trying to make Colin think, oh well, if it's solely about getting to the league, just do do what they tell you. That's the problem. We're not going to keep doing what they tell us. But that's what I was going to say. Is Stephen A. Smith suffering from like house nigga syndrome where it's like. <laughs> you said it. I no, did. No, I'm just asking. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I already had my, my candid conversation with him on the phone. I called him what I needed to call him. So, Which is you know, from Coon. Yeah, he didn't like that. And so it was what it was. And so <laughs> I didn't hide from it. I didn't steer, for, steer clear from it. And that's just how I felt. And. But you could tell by his haircut he don't go to a black barbershop. Come on now. Man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where his barbershop is located. They may have one. I mean, Probably on the Upper East Side. Yeah, okay, maybe. so when you, when you, so like I, I don't follow sports enough to really follow him. I know he's like a loudmouth, opinionated person. I'm very, very Yeah, try to use a lot of big words yeah. to make himself seem more educated or smarter than the average. Right, nigga. the next person, you know, across sitting across from him. Like you don't need to do all but of that. But that reminds me of Sam Jackson and Django. Like, that's what he was doing. Again, that's that house nigga mentality. But I'm, I'm wondering, because I don't really watch sports as much. The time I really started watching and paying attention to how he does what he does was um, was the Rihanna-Beyonce thing, where, like, he totally shaded one of the biggest artists in the world who's up here on my mantelpiece, right, right. who everybody knows I love, to, to try to uplift another black woman when those two women have a relationship and don't throw each other under the bus. Right. So I, I, it almost came off like not opinionating, you're just being a hater. 
So that was on my when I started looking at it. And I've seen a couple other things where I know he has a podcast where he dibble dabbles in pop culture, which isn't really his forte. When it comes to athletes, though, do do does he tend to be harder on black athletes in terms of expecting them to toe the line for them, or or is it well, just, I guess, or does he just come off as a hater? I'm pretty sure in his defense, he'll say no. That's not what he. What, that's not how he wants it to come across. But the people that are watching, that's how it comes across to 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 us. You know, and so especially his his delivery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from the Kyrie's to the KD's and, you know, he tries to, I guess, you know, say things for the wow factor, um, whether you're being objective or subjective or not. Like, you know, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. But some of the things is, just, again, his delivery seems more personal mm-hmm. uh, than it does, you know, from a journalistic standpoint. Mm. So do you suit him or he sued you or both? Well, this is what he got upset about. During that interview, or it was an interview prior to that, he had mentioned something about a text, this and that and the other. I had a friend of mine who, has, who was an attorney that reached out to me and was like, yo, that's improper. Like, he can't do that. And he's like, yo, you can sue ESPN for this. So I'm suing ESPN. I'm not really tripping on Stephen A. Yeah, he did it. But we submitted our claim to ESPN. Because well, he used their platform to do it. Right. So he got mad because I guess in his uh, in his podcast, he goes, oh, whomever called came down and said, yo, this is what's going on. Terrell's trying to sue. So at the end of the day, like I said, if the shoe fits, you wear it. Like, so my attorney's like, oh, this is, we need to add his name to the claim. I don't care. We don't have a relationship like that. We're cool, but I'm not, we're not cool like that. Mm-hmm. You did something that was improper. ESPN has dogged me for countless number of years to where people think that I'm a certain way, then I don't have no allegiance, no loyalty to to ESPN. So, yeah, so he went after ESPN. Mm-hmm. And so he's been mad about that for like three, four years, but I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So this is what's been troubling him for so many years. Mm-hmm. And all this, all of a sudden, he does the interview with Joe Budden, shares uh, his opinion about why he and Max are not working anymore and then everybody start putting up the clip about oh yeah because max is black terrell said oh max black. so all i did was respond to that and i said facts mm-hmm. yeah i know but that triggered him <laughs> that lets you that that tells you all you need to know which is kind of scary because if somebody's that triggered and holding on to something for so long that means everything they could have been talking about could have been driven by a personal that's all you needed to know he was triggered by whatever so like I said, then he wanted to come after me and try to tarnish me or use that platform to tarnish my character. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, because everybody, and he thinks that everybody, based on the years of people thinking that I'm not a good person, he wanted to kind of piggyback that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's interesting because when you're black and you're in that type of platform, or when we have these platforms, you can use it to actually show a different side of a person right. or provide a narrative. I mean, I interviewed Kanye West in this room and people saw him in a different light and people were hailing my interview. I was like, no, I just actually let him be himself and didn't, you know, I didn't try to get that headline or create some. I could have poked him and got some, but right. that's not what my but intention yeah, was. I mean, but anybody that knows me and that has been around me, like they know of my character. And like I said, there are things, like I said, I've been with agencies, I've tried to, you know, do some things with a few networks and I'm like, they've been stalled or what have you, haven't really progressed. I'm like, this is strange, you know what I mean? Cause I've done a number of interviews. 
I've gone on a number of shows from Fox to CBS, ESPN, whatever, and the ratings go through the roof after we've done the interview. And then my marketing rep, you know, they would he would talk to the producers and they'd be like, oh my gosh, he's really great on TV, this, that, and the other. Or they, like I said, they check they check the ratings, you know, while I'm on and after I've been on, mm-hmm. been through the roof. And like I said, I'm very knowledgeable about number of sports, especially football, obviously, and basketball, and and well versed in some other things. So like I said, it's not like I can't be on TV and talk football or anything for that matter. Um, but again, he's using that plot platform obviously to kind of like stall and shut some doors. But you know, he can't he can't stop what God got in store for people. So other than that, it is what it is. I knew what he was trying to do. You know, what I mean, that's why I went on the show with Stack, and they gave me the freedom and the platform and not edit anything because I had some people reach out to me, go, oh, come on, let's do this one. But it's not, it wasn't going to be no 12. Like I had one like, oh, I was like, well, how long am I going to be on the show? Because I need to discuss and share what it is. And he was like, oh, about 12 minutes. No. Right. No, because I need a platform to really, for people to hear what my side of the story. Do you think people have gotten your side of the story as it relates to Stephen A? I think a little bit. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I mean, they see him for what he is. You know what I mean? But like I said, I'm not going to allow somebody like that that's, that feels like they have a stronghold on the masses. And again, he think a lot of athletes and black people really rock with him like that. Mm-hmm. Like he really does. You know what I mean? And I could just tell by the money that ESPN has paid him. Like he walks around, like he walks a little different. Like he walks like he got something, you know, like he got a little swag about it. He walks like George Jefferson. But again, like you said, it's, he, you know. He moved on up. Jamil Hill was here on the show. She talked about her time with ESPN and how they dogged her out. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know yep. who's running things over there, but it seems almost like black folks, uh, I mean, are put in challenging positions when it comes to, like, how they show up for other people of and color. And when you can't go with, uh, you know, the beat of their drum. Then you're out of there. Then you're out of there. Terrell sent me this a long time ago. I actually burned this in my bathroom. Oh, yeah? Okay. I wasn't so sure that you really liked it because you didn't really give me too much feedback on it. Well, we we love it here because we actually, I burned this one in my bathroom. We have them all throughout and have burned them. We have one that just burnt all the way out in the uh, the, uh, other room over there. They're burning. They're in the studio. And I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to, I got five candles and the most special one is the one that I made for my grandma because she passed of uh, Alzheimer's. And so it's in a purple vase, it's called Tough Love. Mm-hmm. Kind of told you a little bit about her. So I do a lot of stuff with uh, Alzheimer's. Um, June is uh, brain awareness and Alzheimer's or what have you. And then November is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. So we have a purple vase um, with just like that, but it's a purple vase and it's called Tough Love. So do each have a meaning behind them? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Tough love, like my grandma, like I said, the name says it all. Tough love is made with dro- uh, dried floral and incense, and then we added a cashmere plum to kind of soften it out. When you think of grandma, usually you think floral, this, and that, and the other. My, not my, my grandma, she just talks shit. She well, you know, when we think about a grandmama, yeah, there's, yes, you I, think about what they wear, it's always something floral. Right, Go to right. church, it's always floral something. So that's how I kind of tied it in, and then yeah. So then we add the, the uh, the the cashmere plum to kind of soften it up a bit. Okay, this one's called desire. This is desire. This is uh, saffron, tobacco, cashmere, vanilla. Okay, this is time to give you a gift. There's a gift right on the side of your chair. That's the first gift. Oh man, who you? That on? gift right there goes with the desire candle. Oh, you bearing gifts? Oh yes, man, of course. Well, man, I should have been on this show. Well, of course we give gifts. Okay, now. These are black rhino pills. <laughs> ah! 
boy, you about to get a headache. <laughs> boy, you, you, this is from the uh, convenience, from the gas station. Man, you about to get a major, major headache. Those are at your 7-Eleven <laughs> if you ever need one. Right. Now, 7-Eleven gas station, you about to get a major headache. Now, man. are you familiar with what black rhinos are? I I I am. <laughs> I am. So this is this is this was my thought, right? You get the desire candle. You burn <laughs> them throughout your house and that creates an aroma of desire. Now, if right. you have 12 of these candles burning at the same time and then you get one black rhino, you can run through 12 people in <laughs> one day. Bro, who's running through 12? Well, you and Chad Ochocinco. I knew you was going with that. So let me address that. <laughs> Man, let me address that. Chad, by the way. Hey, Chad, I got you on this. By the way, everybody those blew, pills will create a headache. Bro. Man, everybody blew my phone up. And then after that, I should have known. I, I, I just wasn't thinking because we're always, we're impromptu. He's always going live and I'm always, the, the last time I jumped on his live, it was talking about the black women and that took, 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 took a firestorm. So fast forward, after that we did, we were talking about this, about the, tw he made up a story talking about we went to the DR and to, oh yeah, you remember that time we was in the DR, we had those 17, we, ran, we had an orgy with the 17 girls. So I didn't, at that time I didn't really think about it and I just ran with the story because I know he's always goofing off. Okay, so are you doing PR cleanup now where your girl saw you saying you ran through no, all these I don't, Dominicans? No, first of all, I don't, have, I don't have a girl, but even if I had a girl, she would know that it wasn't true because Wait, you she a, knows the you nature a, of You don't me. have a girlfriend? No, I don't. I'm Who was that girl you just posted on your social media the other day? Oh, just a friend. You talking about Kristen, our friend Chris from, from Houston? Yeah. Oh, she was a friend. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, because people don't just be... I know. Everybody's going to start, like, but that's, I'm not, that's why I'm like, I'm really confident in who I am, but I'm, I'm not messy like that. So uh -huh. I, I don't, nobody, I'm not tied to anybody. So there's no girl right now watching the show who you're, no, who they, you're throwing back black rhinos on and slamming in the backseat no, of the Rover. No. Who's going to DM Hollywood Unlock with a sex tape. Now look, we no, take those now. No. First okay. of all, I'm not even doing no rhinos. <laughs> Uh, I think everybody, I'm pretty sure if you're a dude, you done tried these. Um, and yeah, these will give you a major headache. You don't yeah, want no, that. There's no rhino shaming at this show. We've we those, those, they do give you a headache. But I haven't used any rhinos in like some years. Okay. So you and Chad are on live. You're, yeah, so we he's telling he's, a story. He made up this story. So I'm literally, I didn't think about it. So I just go with it. And so I was like, oh, so you see me rubbing my head. So he was talking about, yeah, you remember the orgy we had with 17 girls in the DR, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yo, I said, are you, are you sure it was 17? I'm like, man, I think it was like 12. And then he comes up, he's like, just off the cuff. He's like, no, it, it, it can't be, it can't be an even number because you can't, you know, you can't have sex, you know, with, with, uh, with an, uh, with an, uh, an even number. So I'm for sure it was 17. You got to be on an, on an, on an, uh, on an odd number. But then you even colored the picture a little more to say you took the fat girl. Right. So I'm just like, again, I'm going with, and I, and I hate that I use, I, I hate that I use big, that I use the big girl. I you said, said big, big girl. I said big girl. Right. Cause I had some big girls coming in my DMs <laughs> talking about, oh, you've been following me since 2014, blah, blah, blah. So I should have said. Were they fat BB, were they BBWs or just big girls that were in the DMs? For me, I was just like, they're, I would say plus size. Uh -huh. That's what I should have used. Or I should have said, I should have used the term voluptuous size. A plus size, okay. but yeah, like there's not, and I try to tell people like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with big girl plus size girls. Of course they, not. They need love too. Yeah, exactly, and there, there are some there are some beautiful yeah, of girls that 
or plus size. But you you said you had to take the Yeah, so I took one for the 10. It wasn't wasn't the best choice of words that I had. But again, I didn't think it was going to go Shade Room, Hollywood Unlocked, all these other shows. Of course it would. You you and Chad Ocho said, I can't But now I know. Now I'm selective. Now I see him going on live. I'm like I'm I'm trembling. Like should I get on? I, like if I get on, I got to be careful with what. Wait, but our did you really think I'm gonna get on, I'm gonna get on this live and say we we ran through twelve women in the DR who probably didn't speak English? Bro, I didn't even think and, anything and the about fact it. Girl, as an extra, that, I, didn't, I had no I, bro, dude. Now I know because sometimes I forget who I am, and I yeah. obviously Chad obviously he's he's who he is in his yeah. own right. But now, like, yeah, people hang on to any and everything. Mm. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, I love plus size women. It's all about how you say things, the delivery. So I shouldn't have said, oh, I took one for the team. And that was a bad point. I took one for the team. Like, I'm thinking, like, okay, big girls are bad. Like, Listen, yeah. everybody watching right now is not expecting you to apologize. We've all taken one for the team. I know that, but it's just like, you know, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a good look. But it's, I'm not shameful. I'm not shamed by it. But it's just like, uh, it just wasn't needed. Hmm. So what's the amount of women you had sex with in one day? Oh, the most. In one day? Like a 24-hour time span. Uh, I'd probably say like maybe three. That's not a lot. Not a, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, bro, people think because of who I am and... I mean, rich, the famous, grandiose, successful in the middle of the whole... The grandiose, the grandioso of just professional sports and how they think of athletes. Like, yo, bro, I'm not... Like, I'm pretty chill. I'm pretty laid back. Chad and I, we're kind of... We're frugal in a lot of ways. Like, we look high maintenance, but we're really not. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of woman I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that's high maintenance, that looks high maintenance, but really not. So the three women that you had in one day, was that three at the same time? Was that a three? No, no, one? it was uh, just, three different it was ones? spaced out. It was spaced out. Now, you're single now. Why? Uh, I just haven't found anyone yet. I'm, I'm, as I've gotten older, I'm very selective. I kind of know kind of like what I want. Just reflecting back on the last real relationship that I had, that was in 2012, but I've dated since then. Right. So the, ra- real, the last real relationship that I've been in, like that was 2012, but I've dated Seriously, since then, a couple of people. The the last relationship, the seriously one, that was the wife. Were you married? No, never married. That was the one that you were engaged to. Twenty twelve. Uh, Felicia. I mean, there's so many. There's Felicia so many. Terrell was the only person that was engaged. There's to. so many women on Felicia this card. Terrell was the only one. There's that was, so many that was, women I was, that was in, I was engaged. Yo, to. You, that was a scenario, a little situation, but that was that had that was not real. That was nothing. Okay, the Rachel Snyder chick. We don't even want to talk. I don't even want to talk about her. Okay, so she's a memory. She's Nightmare. deleted. Okay, deleted. You know, um, auto delete. Wait, that. You, you know, Drea Michelle. Control auto delete. <laughs> she like I don't like. You have friends, and then you think they're your friends, and you try to do things, and then. They show their true color. Like that was one of those situations. Control, alt, delete. Now, control, alt, delete, for those of you that don't know, that's when you really want shit to be deleted. You know? Yeah. Not backspace. Okay, so we'll move right along from her. Yeah. Now, you've been a whore, at least on the paper. <laughs> what? Now, the T.O. that you're getting today is the T.O. that I've known since I met him. Always nice, always smiling, always fun. Never seen drama mess, never all of that no. stuff that you media people, and I'm in the media Right, too. but again, if you listen, if you read something, you would really think that I'm, like I had DUIs, I done tried to kill somebody, I've done a number, a number Have of things. Have you had a DUI? No. Huh. 
<laughs> there you have it. But yeah. Okay, but let's get back to you being a whore. Okay, so <sighs> this list is so long. Whoa, what? I need to. Did, I, you, please, sleep, please. did you sleep with Sanaa Lathan? No, I did not. We, we, we were friends. Don't lie on my show, T.O. No, I we read body language. You, we, we're, we're friends, bro. T.O. Bro, we T.O. Were friends. got good teeth, and he gonna make sure you see every single bro, one we of them. We were friends. I slept with friends. You never okay. slept with Sanaa? No, we never slept together. Okay. We might have been in the same bed, but we never slept together. <laughs> Did she tell you she bit Beyonce, or was that before? No, no, okay. that was well, that was well before. <laughs> okay. This is where the show gets fun. You know, those of you that have been following oh, the Jason Lee show, there's a building. I love it. I okay. love it. I love Kenya it. Moore, before she was a housewife of Atlanta, 2010, you were with her. We're friends. Did y'all lay in the bed together too? We're friends, man. We're friends. Did she wear her crown as Miss America when y'all had sex? Or was that or yeah, Peach? Kenya and I, we're friends. Oh, okay. Mm. So Kenya Moore, uh, was the sex good? Kenya and I, were good friends. Okay. Now, Lisa Leslie is pretty tall. You know, I... Bro, what? what? Basketball players are just too tall for me, though. Lisa Leslie, I mean, you're pretty tall. How tall are you? I'm like 6'3 and a half, 6'4, depending on the day. Okay. Today, I'll be 6'4. I'm sitting down. But laying down, you guys were pretty much the same height? Who? Lisa Leslie. No, we never laid down. We're friends. The sparks, that those are her colors. Yeah, this is, yeah. And this is... If you like this, this is from my clothing line as well, Prototype 81. Another shameless plug, if you will. Um, so, yeah, and I did it purpose, purpose, purposefully. For Lisa? No, because um, I'm in L.A., okay. L.A. Lakers colors. And Sparks. then my daughter, yeah, Sparks, and my daughter goes to the HBCU school, Prairie View. And these are her school colors as well. Okay. So I made this, designed this for that, for that purpose. So Lisa had nothing to do with inspiring the colors. Um, of this uniform. Lakers, we're in, we're in L.A., so So why, why did y'all break up? We never we never dated. Yes, you did. No, we, we no, people if may If it's have, on this list, no, I pe know. People may have seen us, just because you see, that's the thing, like being a celebrity, you see somebody out, and then maybe you've seen them for the first time, you've seen them for the first time, people associate or they just put you together. Lisa and I were friends. She came up to the Bay Area, and she came to a couple of, uh, maybe one of uh, Don't nobody get games. on a plane to go see nobody just because? I, we're good. We're su she was supporting me. <laughs> you know, this is what years of media abuse does. It teaches people to go get trained. So then I have to work overtime. No, okay, I'm not, fine. I'm not making you work overtime either because I love Lisa. I, I know her kids, know her husband. So I'm being respectful, number one. But yeah, there's not like, I'm sure... Her husband knows she has a past. She knows her husband has a past. Right. So there's nothing like I said. We were friends. Mm. Yeah. So Vivica Fox, would you spin the block and go back and pull up on the Fox? Yo. Viv? Yeah, you dated Vivica Fox. What? So what's dating? Okay. First of all, what's dating? Has, any, has anybody ever, like, what you're explaining now? The, the people that you've explained or you just shared with, <laughs> nobody's ever seen me and Sanaa Lathan out together. Nobody's, Yet you nobody's laid in the bed together. Never, that's not dating then. Do you What's need a dating? napkin because you're sweating? No, I'm not sweating at <laughs> okay, all. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm cool like, I'm cool as a cucumber over here. Uh, okay. Um, cucumber. See, we have one right I know, there at I know, Mandingo I Hall know, of Fame I, I said that. I should have said pause, but you know, I'm good. I ain't tripping. Uh, but yeah, nobody's ever seen me out in public with uh, Lisa Leslie, we're friends. 
Kenya, Kenya Moore, Moore. Just friends. We're we're all friends. Vivica Fox. Friends. Nobody's ever seen us. Me and Vivica out. There may have been an interest with like all of us, but there nothing ever progressed. Jessica White. What about her? <laughs> That's my friend. Now I will get the answer to that one. Oh, okay. Well, I think it'd be I'll call best Vivica for you. Too. I, okay. Well, you should already know then. <laughs> okay. I know you. You, you like to. You like for tea to be spilt on this show. Actually, I'm just. I, you know, because know you I'm, like I'm trying. Be because you've show. had a broad flavor of women. I mean, you even had a flavor of love and three it, winner. What, so, so, so take Candace this out. Cabrera. Now you've had so many different type of women. So, I'm just trying to know, like, what is your type? So of all the women that you just named in, are any of them white? No, but, but you, people think that all I like is white women. Well, that's because of your live with Chad. Chad has gotten in you in a lot of trouble. You said that black women is used it to- trouble? It's just a, conversation it was me speaking about my experiences growing up yeah but I've learned even in like I would go on my podcast and you know everybody knows I'm gay I'd be like yo like my type and I just define my type it doesn't mean that excludes every type it just that was what I was attracted to at the time but I learned but but I'm a colorist I'm I'm all right but that's why I tried to address it in my in my post and I said listening is a skill yeah yeah but people online don't have that skill Right, but again, you can't, again, and I understand the era and the time that we're living in, too, with social media. Play. Like, people, they don't, they don't like to read. They don't take, like to take time to read. And right. then they, they, they go beyond the caption. They go straight to the comments. And so whatever the comments, and if they feel that certain way, they piggybacking. They, they're, but, they're reiterating. They're, they're jumping on the bandwagon. But that's why you have to master the art and not giving a fuck. I think you've done that to a certain well, degree. Well, yeah, to a degree, yeah. But at the same time, like... We all we're we're human. We have feelings. You don't want to. You don't yeah, like that all the time. But you can't be responsible for, for people's feelings where there's no merit, right? Like, I used to be married to defending myself of loving all shades and this and that. Right. And I'm like now. I it was seems- at that space of just really trying to defend myself, and that was like a tip when yeah. I alluded to earlier about going uh, in these interviews with like your your Pam Alves or your Dion's or Andrew Kramer's trying to really share my side of the story, dispute or dispel what the media was already leading up to, you know, trying to control the narrative. I wanted to go and, you know, share my side of the story so people could hear the real. Mm-hmm. But it, it never got to that point. And so it was always like little sound bites from the clip and it really did no justice for me. So I got, honestly, I got tired of doing that. So it was like, okay, this is a waste of time. So the, the clip that we're talking about was you went live with Chad Ochocinco. Yeah. You were talking about women you were dating black women. This was early on in your college my, career? Yeah, when I was younger, I just said, look, man, my experience in high school, prior to college, no girls, no girls wanted to date me, black girls for that matter. Um, again, in high school, that I was skinny, I was scrawny, I had a crooked tooth, you know what I mean? I just, I, I hadn't fully matured from a body standpoint developed yet. So I was a late bloomer all the way around. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't as attractive. College, first couple of years, same thing. My boy that I went to school with, he was smooth, good-looking brother, joined uh, fraternity uh, uh, Kappa, uh, had some of his brothers, you know. So they dated the AKA, AKAs and the Deltas, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, on camp, you know, the AKAs and the Deltas, they beautiful. I tried to, you know, date some of them. No, no, no love, no action. Went to the league. Some of those same Deltas or AKAs that didn't want to talk to me when I was then, oh, I smashed later on. Before or after Sanaa? 
No, this is well before oh. Sanaa. Oh. I'm Bam. in the league. I'm, 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 this is well before Sanaa was even in the picture. Got it. But it wasn't, I didn't smash. It was like, oh God, this is fun. All right, so, but then <laughs> they try to say, but basically the way the spin was that you, like, white, right, I just basically white tried women, to share white women discovered you and you right, found Right, when I went to college, that was my first experience, like, with, with a white girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and then after I, after that, then I got into the league. Obviously, going to California, you got a melting pot. It's Hispanics, white, black, whomever. That's the way it was. Mm-hmm. All right, so you've had sex with white women, you've had sex with black women. Who do you, like, which do you have the most enjoyable sexual experience with? I don't think it's a black or white thing. It's all about the, the individual. Because not all coochies are the same. It's not the same. I mean, there's, I've, I mean, there's different variations. Are you into like women who will go in the gym with you and spend three hours? Well, yeah, of course. Like, okay, you, so want, you, you want, want somebody that you likes. You want like-minded people. But again, like I said, I'm open to somebody that I, honestly is just more about chemistry, energy, and vibe. Still, the person needs to be attractive. Because at some point, you know, that's how two people are connected. You're attracted to each other anyway, just off aesthetics. If you and Lisa Leslie had kids, or your kid, well, she's married, so you right. can't. Damn. Yeah, yeah, she, you she missed has that two, one. What, three, two beautiful kids. You missed that one. All right, well, what about, well, there's so many other people. I'll just leave the list alone. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> what, well, you said a lot of people. I'm interested in the list. Okay. I mean, I'm interested uh, in the list. Well, though. Keita Williams, who's a friend of mine, was your publicist. You guys were together? Nope. That yep. was a rumor. Yep. Stop putting dirt on Keita's name, because y'all were like family. Yeah, we were. Where are you all now? Do you guys talk at all? I haven't talked to Keita in probably 12 years. 12? Man, have you mastered the art, have you mastered the art of letting go of people? Because I have. I, yeah, I don't, yeah if, I, if I feel you've crossed me in some shape, form, or fashion, or some way, and especially when I thought really highly of you, I cut you off and I'm done. And it's, it was so funny is that with that situation, and I know as we grow, you know, we're our own person and we have our own friendships. You know how to manage and, and navigate those. And, you know, sometimes you have a mom, you know, they have those instincts, maternal instincts. Like I've had my mom about a few of my friends that knew that they weren't good for me. But because I'm like, oh, mom, you don't know them. That's, these are my friends. But She's been right on a couple of occasions. And Keita was one of those? Keita and Mo. Really? Mm-hmm. Man. But I, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I don't talk to him. It is what it is. Mm. It is what it is. Okay, um, Serenda Swan. Do you remember her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we dated for a little bit. Yeah. What I happened? With, that, that was so long ago. Yeah. How did we go that, so that far was, back? That was oh, oh eight. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, you got a list. Carrie Klinkenborg. Yeah, we dated. That was the one. That was like my real last relationship that I. That referred. was back in two thousand. That was ten years ago. Right. That's what I said. I said twenty twelve. Wait. So. I haven't been in a relationship in eight years. You haven't been in one in ten years. Yeah. Why are we out here popping and got money and still youthful and vibing and now we're in our forties, and still. Single but and lonely. I'm sure it's something that you're looking for that's going to satisfy you, and the same for me. And it's not like I'm looking for the perfect girl. You're just looking for the perfect person for you. Mm. And so, again, like I said, you obviously, like I said, aesthetics plays a big part in it. And then as you get older and then, you know, as I alluded to before the show, I shared with you before the show, before the show you know, there come times where things happen and puts life in perspective. Mm. So I've had to, I've lost two family members in a matter of, 
you know, 48 hours from you know Thanksgiving. So now approaching 50, like yeah, it puts life in a different different light for you. So we talked about that a little bit off camera about the um, the loss of family members. Yeah. You want to talk about that? I mean, we can. I mean, it's uh, unfortunate. Drunk driver, um, cousin that I grew up with, lived with me when I was in the Bay Area. It's, it's, it's tough and having to just fly and see his mom grieve the way she is and I flew from Houston back to Alabama to be with her because she needed she needed that support and I stayed an extra day because she had to go to that hospital to identify her son's body. And to go in that room as they unzip that body bag, bro, is something I, I'll never forget. And he has three kids and the mother of his two older kids, she was there as well. I walked with her in there. And to see that, bro, it was, it was unbelievable, it's unreal. And now for me, it, it, it that alone has forever changed me to now I look at life and will look at life totally different. But to hold his mama's hands and walk in there to identify her son's body, it was gut-wrenching. And you said you all had just talked like a couple of days before because you're in the process of planning your 50th. And um, exactly. it's just a reminder of like how life can change like that. Yeah. And honestly, he was going to surprise his mom for her birthday, which is on the 4th. My birthday is on the 7th. We were going to have the party on the 9th. And we had talked about him coming, flying out here for the birthday, everything. I had it planned, um, working on plans, like everything, bro. And now instead of me, the day that we are going to be selling my birthday, we're going to be burying him. How have you been able to learn how to deal with grief? Oh, it, I don't think there's a handbook. I don't think there's a manual for it, bro. Everybody's different. Just yesterday, it hit me hard, bro. I pulled over and I broke down. And um, just talking about it now, I'm teary-eyed. It's just everybody's different, bro. And it's going to, like I said, it's, it's going to have, you know, take its course. And for me, I just tried to be strong, just tried to be strong for literally his mom. And as we drove down from where we were to, to the hospital where his body was, like she, she, she thanked me for being supportive. And I'm like, Sue, I'm like, I'm not doing anything different than Tony would be doing if it was me or if it was somebody in my family. Mm. So, how so I know now you're not going to have your birthday party because you're going to be there with your family. Um, is that in a ironic way, just a way of really reflecting on like how important life is, how temporary it is? And then, I mean, you're not spending it with your family the way that you were, but you're still going to be with the people that you love and that love you. Like, yeah, bro. I mean, I've even had people who tell me to reschedule it and it's not the same. Mm hmm. It won't be the same. 
Like I literally, like I said, we talked about it and I was envisioning my 50th, like how I wanted it to be, lights, camera, action, like, it's not, it's not the same. Mm. Well, one thing um, for sure, I mean, I, I talked about in my book when my brother died, he died in, like uh, in gun in a gun violence situation, like right immediately in, in you know in front of me without like any preparation. And that was shocking. This happening just without preparation, shocking. It it does take a while to to get over it. And like you said, like you've been going through the last few days of just like up and down, um, uh, emotional roller coaster. How do you now prepare like to be there to support his kids? Because I think you said he was a ten year old. Yeah, he has a 16, a 10, and a 3. Mm-hmm. And, man, i just been wrestling on, you know, trying to figure out what kind of way I can honor him, like what I can do for the kids, for at least short term. Because um, that's, that's a big responsibility for the mom, the two moms, and, I just want to do whatever I can for him. Mm. So, I mean, I've, like I said, I'm, I have inventory left for my clothing line that I've already expressed just whatever I can sell from that, get portion proceeds of that, establishing some type of trust fund for the kids. Then, like I said, I haven't talked with the mom or his mama extensively um, about any of that, but I want to do something where at least start a trust fund for those kids mm-hmm. because they deserve it. and. Easily, that three-year-old could have been in that car because he was driving from New Orleans from where the three-year-old lives to Atlanta, then to Alabama. And the person that hit hit him was a a drunk driver? Drunk driver, both dead on arrival. Oh, they both passed. And then now I think, like, this is an example for people who are being reckless. Like, you don't just take your life and another person's life. You shatter a whole bunch of people's lives. Yeah, but I, and that's... uh, I, I called my son and I talked to him about it. Um, and I, you know, cause I know like he's probably be more, he's gonna be one more apt to drink than my oldest daughter, but still she had, you know, I gotta have that conversation with her too. Cause she may be with friends that may be drinking. She could be in, be in the passenger seat or whatever, be in the back seat. Um, and I just shared with him, you know, can't tell him what to do. He's a grown adult, but if you're gonna drink, you know, and you somewhere take a Uber because it's not worth it because those two lies have shattered a number of lives mm-hmm. across the country. I mean, friends that met Tony through me live in Norway, all across this country that have reached out and they're devastated, just shocked. Where can people uh, find the clothes to support? Uh, prototype81.com prototype81.com go there support whatever inventory that we have like you know i I encourage anybody that's whatever buy it the money is going to go to for a very good cause now just to switch gears a little bit and bring it up a little bit um i I stopped (coughs) drinking liquor but a friend of mine told me that i need to slow down maybe not stop all the way but slow down and drink wine you own a wine company yeah, uh, 81 uh, is my, the name of my wine. Um, it's a uh, Cabernet. I got involved uh, with that during the pandemic. And so it's made in, uh, up at the Lavigne Winery in Paso Robles. 
And so right now, the, what we have left is uh, probably a few hundred bottles, maybe, of my Hall of Fame edition. Uh, it's a full 100% cab. And so, yeah, to find that, it's on uh, 81vino.com. And it's drink responsibly, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, like I said, and then, too, I got involved, too, because obviously, like, everybody was trying to figure out something or find something to do during the pandemic and came across uh, my path through my marketing uh, rep at the time and uh, got involved with it. And it's under the uh, Lasorda Family Wines label. Um, obviously, Tommy Lasorda died like shortly 2021, I think. Um, really, I was supposed to be, or 2020, I was actually headed out this way to meet him for the first time. And he passed like a few days before I even got out here. And so, uh, so yeah, the connection, Los Angeles, uh, Hall of Fame manager for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and then, like I said, I'm Hall of Famer, pro football. And again, I wanted to kind of like understand really the process of winemaking, understanding you know, uh, everything about the wine business, and then even educating the black community about wine, because that's not what we do. You know, growing up, we liquor, Henny. beer, yeah. It's not, we don't drink wine, you right. know, and so, and then growing up and then obviously playing with the Niners, being in, uh, you know, backyard of Napa Valley, and then going to a number of like uh, events, dinners, that was the first thing you, they waited to come like red or white. Coming from Alabama, I've never, I've never drunk wine before. Right. So I had no idea like what to choose. So my teammates like, just go with the red. Hated it. It was dry, it was pasty. Didn't like the taste at all. But you weren't one of those black people that then found Moscato and turned that in. Moscato is a dessert wine. That's dessert wine, Riesling, more Riesling. I'm no, a Riesling. But, but black Moscato. folks abuse Moscato. We, oh, yeah. I would go and get a full glass of Moscato. You're only supposed to drink this much as a dessert wine. We get a whole glass. Oh. It's so refreshing. My first <laughs> experience was when I went to Milan in 06. And again, they tried to bring me out some wine. I'm like, I don't like it. And should I should have tried it in Italy, in Milan anyway. But I was like, no, I want something that's sweet, fruity. <laughs> they brought me Moscato. Uh -huh. Bro, <laughs> fell in love. Got the name of the wine. When I got back to uh, Dallas, I had my assistant at the time. I said, buy me as many <laughs> bottles as you can of this, and it was delicious. It was a German, it was a German Riesling, that was it was it was it was sweet, and it was a Riesling, and then the Moscato. I think it, it was a Riesling Moscato, but it was so good. Okay, we got another gift. I think there's another bag down there, right? That's a box. Oh, box. Okay, the box. This box was like almost like the box that uh, from my wine. Literally, it's almost. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that was the box you gave Sonata to take her things. Ah, <laughs> you funny. I just say though. What'd you say? Yo, don't let a Karen ruin the wine, dude. You, hey, dog, you too much, bro. Hey, listen, that was. Bro, you too much, bro. You, <laughs> you do it. <laughs> no, well, look, when they when they told me we were going to we could put a message on the wine glass. Don't let a Karen ruin the wine. Oh, she tried to. <laughs> she tried to. But it, yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, but you know, it was funny and ironic. We're talking about your relationship with the media. Oh, That's like the first time you flipped around and took control and became the media on the Karen. What did I not? I mean, I knew what was going on, especially with. Things that have transpired since then, 
I was really, I was, I wasn't overwhelmed with the moment. I was, I was, I was, I was right there. Wait, so for those of you that missed this, uh, oh, he was man. driving through his neighborhood. He, you, 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 you're in Calabasas? No, this was in Florida. Oh, this is in Florida. Okay. But this what, is, what, what Florida? This ain't Jacksonville. No, it was Pompano Beach. Okay. Deerfield Beach. Just south of Boca, just north of Fort Lauderdale. Bunch of white folks riding through the neighborhood. Uh, and then he got out uh, to talk to this woman who said she, he had allegedly tried to run off the road. And then she said to you, you're a black man approaching a white woman. That goes back all the way back oh, yeah. to that kid said. I know, trust me. Was I that mean, like a full circle moment? But like I said, there, there are defining moments. There are specific moments. Or again, you think about, again, like I said, I, I shared with you just listening to my grandma Grandma would talk to her friends in the house or just tell us things that, she, you know, about how she grew up and things that she experienced. Bro, I'm, years later, we're still experiencing the same things. Mm. So, and then everybody else, you know, especially white people now, like you get on social media and then we start to, we, things happen and it brings us back to racism. And then people are like, oh, well, here we go. You're going to make this a black black, white, a race moment. Well, things trigger and it, it comes back to those moments. Yeah, but in this situation, she finally got charged. I mean, it was good that like there was accountability. Yeah, and then like I said, I knew, like I said, with the camera, I'm like, okay, let me, I was smart enough and, and, and aware enough and mindful to, to start recording when I did. Mm -hmm. All right, one last question before we get to the game. So there was a uh, the NFL, you don't really see a lot of gay players, openly gay players, but we see now in the NBA, Dwight Howard is in the middle of a controversy. Uh, and then we did have Carl Nassib and Michael Salmon, the NFL, come out Michael as openly Sam. gay. Do you think the NFL can get to a place where an athlete can play and be openly gay and have a successful career? I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't. I don't know. Maybe so if they feel like there's uh, some way they can benefit from it. I don't, I don't know. Um, but clearly Michael Sam's uh, career got cut short. Fast. Right. Considering he was a, what, a defensive player of the year one year. So it's not like he, can't, he couldn't play the game, but he never really fully got an opportunity to play. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like he can't play. He's just not being allowed to play. So. But Carl Nassau got to play a little longer. I don't know. I don't really know much about him. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I don't really watch a lot of football, professional football. I watch Alabama. I like college, and then I, you know, teams that I feel like I'm connected to, like Colorado. You know, Dion's there. Like I love Alabama. It's, you know, my my high school coach at one point in time coached at Alabama, so I like that because it's closest to the professional game as you can get. I just like the development of those young kids. And how skillful they are at that age. Wait, so you're not watching Monday Night Football? No. No. I, I mean, if there's a couple guys that, like, I'm, uh, I watch Jalen Hurts on occasion. I don't, I don't really watch full games. I watch highlights and clips of things of that nature. I have friends calling me because I played with San Francisco, Dallas, Philly. So I have friends that are fans of them. So they're getting my input on who I think. But I follow enough highlights and sound bites and clips to know what's going on. I'm not totally removed from it, but I just don't watch it. I'm not, I don't know when the last time I watched a full game. So I just watch certain players. Mm. 
Do you, why, why, why don't you watch it? You just I, I, as I told you, I growing up, I never was a football fan. I played mm. it, but I wasn't never thought I had the ability to play at the next level. So it wasn't like a dream of mine. If I could have played something professional, it would have been basketball. I wish mm. I could have played in the NBA, not the NFL. Mm. But I, I understood my 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 path and the opportunities that were presented to me. And obviously a segue to to my candles. That's why those candles that I that I have when I reflect back on my career, I thought about, okay, how did I get here? So my mantra of how I got there was desire, dedication, discipline. Mm -hmm. That's what went into those candles. And desire, dedication, discipline. And you've been toying with the idea of going back. Are you, is that I just- I could, if there's nothing would give me the opportunity to go mm -hmm. back. But if I was white for some odd reason with the ability that I know what I have, then I probably would have been given that opportunity. But do you still want to go back now? No, if I, Given the fact that under certain circumstances, like I can't, I wouldn't be able to play, like give you 60, 70 snaps, like quarter one or quarter four. But understanding my ability and understanding the game, you think about third down, red zone situations where I'm a valuable, a viable asset to help a team get beyond, get in the, get beyond where they need to, to get to the Super Bowl or, and obviously with the potential to win it then yeah, I could do that. I mean, I've run around enough and work out with guys, you know, uh, now. I mean, going to Colorado, helping those guys out. Some of the guys prior to going into the season, my son, you know, who just finished up in Missouri State, you know, um, now he's going to be preparing and getting ready to possibly work out for some scouts to possibly play in the, in the National Football League. So I'm in a good enough shape to do that and still be able to be productive if given the opportunity. But am I actively seeking to do that? No. But like I said, I've been on team. When I was in San Francisco, we brought a guy in that hadn't played in probably like about 10 years, and we came, he came in and played safety for us going into a play, uh, playoff game because we needed, you know, we were depleted at, the, at, the, at those positions. Mm. Do, you, um, do you think Cap should give up his dream of going back to the NFL? Well, I wouldn't say, I would never tell anybody to give up on their dream, but the likelihood of them giving him the opportunity that's yeah. That's yeah. It's 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 growing, growing, really, really, really slim. Mm. The light is really dimming on that. What do you, what advice do you have for uh, Tariq? Tariq, Tariq? Mm -hmm. he's the one that's going to the NFL, or he's going to be. Yeah, he has an opportunity. I mean, he just finished up in Missouri State. Um, what advice do you have for him? Um, just you know, go for it. You know, I think I have obviously. Um, He'll get some opportunities because of, you know, he's my son. But at the end of the day, you know, he has to actually ultimately do the work. And just how I made it. If he has a desire to do it, which he does, I think, um, he has to obviously dedicate himself. And there's going to be an area and level of discipline needed because, again, he didn't play at a Power 5 school. You know what I mean? He's late bloomer. He didn't have any gaudy, you know, stats, you know, to, to obviously – bring eyeballs to uh, what he could possibly do. I mean, there's plenty of examples of guys that hadn't been drafted, that have gone into the league, walk-ons or what have you, un undrafted free agents that have gone on and, and made a name for themselves and be, be successful. Mm. It's all up to him uh, if, he if he wants to do it. So I'm always going to be supportive, and that's what I've been doing. Why won't you do commentating? I mean, I've, I've, have, like I told you earlier, I've had interest. I've had an agency, but again, for whatever reason, things have stalled. Yeah, but I think you would be good controversial. 
like not bad. Con- I don't even know what bad. Con- con- no, it's like you're telling the game for what because it is. I, because you're going to have people to agree and not agree with your assessment of the game. Yeah. I played the game at the highest level. I, I realized there are kids that are playing in the league now that are just like me, not as talented, but who's, who's to say what their threshold is for success is? Like, who's there to determine that? You know, that's what the, that's what the NFL is about. It's like they, they have these athletes that, that have good success stories, and there are a lot of guys that are like me. And mm-hmm. there are guys that have more talent, and the trajectory for, for, for their skill set is better than, than some. And they may not turn out to be what everybody expected them to be, but me being objective, um, me understanding the game, and I feel like I'm, I'm able to do that. All right. Well, we did that interview, but now it's time to get to the games. All right. We like to play a lot of games over here at the Jason Lee Show. And one of our favorite games that everybody loves, especially for somebody like you who's especially. ran through half of Hollywood. Um, Whoa. It's, it's called Smash or Pass. Whoa. Stop that. Allegedly. This is a game where I'm just going to, well, on the side of your chair, there's a paddle. You can grab that because you're going to need it. Um, and this is where I'm going to put up a face. Are we going to play pickleball? <laughs> That's what Jamie Foxx did after he had that stroke. No. This is actually a game. <laughs> this is a game where I'm going to put up the face of somebody that you may or may not recognize. You probably will. And then you just say, you know, would you smash or pass? Pretty easy. You mean like pass them to somebody? No, you don't get to pass these to Ocho. You actually need to smash them or just... Smash for like the people that's looking. They may not know what that means. Like, okay, smash means... Smash, what does that you mean? You would like? hit it. Okay. And then pass means you're not interested. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, smash our first person on the list tonight, Bree TC. Now, you follow her. Um, Who is this? Oh, I know. She looks familiar. She's okay. a baby with Nick Cannon. She's on the show... Selling Sunset. She, you follow her on Instagram, <laughs> I believe. Dude, you are terrible. <laughs> she's, this dude right here is something else. She's technically, she's single. Okay. She did just say that Michael B. Jordan's sex game was whack. So oh, just wow. know that she's definitely going to tell everybody. Oh, that's cool. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, oh. bad day on the job. You haven't had a bad day on the job before? She should give him a redo. <laughs> that part. Okay, would you smash or pass? You would smash? <laughs> smash or pass? You have to pick one. I'd probably smash. I mean, she follows you on Instagram. Have you already? No, I have not. Oh, okay. No, okay. I have not. <laughs> She's probably pregnant by Nick at the time. All right. What about this next person? Um, <clears throat> Olivia Munn. Oh, boy, that was my crush at one point in time. Boy, I was so bummed when she was dating Aaron Rodgers. I was mad. Cause I was like, man, Aaron Rodgers, I know he got money, but Aaron, jo- Aaron Rodgers, he's not really a looker, bro. He's not really a looker. Wait, he's not- he looks like John Wick in a sense. I mean, he's cool, and I know Aaron. I know Are you guys Aaron. friends? I know, I know A-Rod. Yeah, we cool. That's yeah, how you talk about your friend? What, what do you mean? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, he's a cool-looking guy, but I'm just like, he was with her at one point in time. He does look like John Wick. Yeah. Wow. And then he was with uh, Danica. He dated Danica Patrick, too. Okay. So we knew that you, this I was. Had, I mean, I would just say, yeah, fight. Yeah, I would. But yeah, that was like, I think, yeah, she was like a celebrity crush of mine. 
Yeah, actually, on my note says you have a celebrity crush with her. That's what it said. We do our research. Dang, dude. I got to be careful with you. <laughs> All right. Now, I'm on Wilding Out with this next person. Justina Valentine. I know her. We was up. Where we, we did. What did we? We did a something together. And I met her. Super talented rapper. She's the best freestyle person. Oh I yeah, she. Oh she. She can get oh, you. She, oh yeah, she. She's lyrically gifted, but she. She be. She can flow. And she dates black men too. I. I, I don't know. Am I her type? Is she. Is she single? I don't know. She might I mean, be. Oh, I don't know. Let's say she's single. Smash her pass. If she's single, yeah, I would. I would smash. You have to hold the sign up oh. so she can see it. All right, Justine, I'll be sending this clip to okay. you. Okay. She's attractive. I'm attractive. <laughs> Me, you know. One and one plus two equals two. All right, what about this next person? Maybe you can dance with her on Instagram? Britney Spears? <laughs> nah, I'm going to pass on that. I'm going to pass. Too much going on? Yes, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, not the new Britney. The new Britney, she's, yeah, she's wilding out. She just doesn't seem, like, stable, like, not wrapped too tight, you know what I mean? Did you see the video of her with the knives and the dogs? Yeah, bro. It's like something's going mentally, like she's not all there. Like, yeah. Yeah. So not I'm for better. Yeah, I'm a pass, bro. I'm a pass on that. Not one. for better, for worse. No, I'm a pass on that one. <laughs> like she's cool. I mean, she's successful. She did some cool things, but yeah, it's not wrapped too tight. A little toxic. Yeah. I, yeah Remember she had the song Toxic. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What about this next person? I mean, you know, she loves the NFL. <laughs> in NFL. Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. She seems she a bit dating too. My, she's dating my guy, uh, my boy Kelsey. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna pass on that one. I'm a, she, but she's a, a, in her own little way, she's she's cute. She's attractive. I mean, she's you know that's why I'm like I'm questioning. I've always did an interview. I did it on Brown Bag uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm I'm really questioning that relationship. Cause it's just, it's just she's a little different flavor than what Travis is accustomed to. And he what likes black girls, right? Yeah, it's almost like going. I was trying to tell, tell somebody it's like going from like collard greens to like uh, potato salad with the raisins in it. Yeah, or some like uh, string beans or something. Going from collard greens to string beans. Taylor Swift is a green bean. I'm just, you get what I'm saying? It's like it's like going from soul like, for like yeah, you know that it's going collard from like green. the hog moss to. Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Yeah. But from what I heard, we, we work out with his trainer. He said he, he likes her. He, and so if he's for it, then I'm for but it. She's good for marketing. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely good for that. I mean, a lot of people didn't know who Travis was until she, he started dating. Do you like women this? What, thin? Yeah. I mean, she's she's cute with her frame. Like she carries it well. Like, yeah. could she probably use some weight in a little area? But that that works for her. I mean, you're not that you don't require a woman to have a BBL. No, I don't even like no. Like, I, I need somebody with some real stuff. I understand a little enhancement, but some of the stuff that's going on now, it's a bit extra. When <laughs> it's it just, out of control. Yeah, it's, when it's just obvious, and then you go in the gym, start doing some glutes and stuff like workouts. Like that's what you've done to get your stop playing. Like, really, stop playing. People with BBLs go to the gym and do squats. They be going to do, like, glute workouts. You see them with the bands around their legs and stuff. And then, you, like, they really been, and obviously, their butts are big. So it's just like, oh, this is what I've been doing to get my butt like that. 
Who are you trying to fool? Right. Like people that know, know. Mm. Okay. What about this next person? She's had a hell of a week. She, yeah, Cassie? She married, though. So I can't, I'm going to pass. She, she married. Okay. Cassie's pretty, though. Yeah, she's a beautiful girl. What do you think about the whole Cassie Diddy bombshell? Be careful with you. What you've done in the dark will come to light. Mm. Okay. Um, this next person, she's avoiding prison. Uh, Shakira. That's who that is? It looks like a Madame Tussauds version of Shakira, <laughs> but that's her. Oh, yeah. I don't really know much. Nah, I mean, I don't really know, know much about her. I mean, she's cool. You don't think Shakira's hot? I, I've, I mean, that picture isn't. Not that I think. I mean, maybe she guys should have gotten a better photograph of Shakira. I mean, that was the VMA. She just won an award. She's probably tired. Mm. No? Okay. I mean, she's cute. I mean, would I, could I? Maybe. Where's the maybe pad? Where's There's the no maybe. <laughs> Where's the maybe? Not like I maybe hit Shakira. How about like maybe? This? Maybe. Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> what about, um, it is Christmas. Mariah? I wouldn't buy it. I probably, yeah. Who wouldn't smash? Mariah's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, she's classy. She's, from what I know of her, like, yeah, she's, she all that in a bag of chips. I don't know what her sign is, but Sagittarius men are toxic. I'm a Sagittarius. I know. So we may not be. This, this, I'm talking about you. No, I don't think I'm toxic. I'm, well, Sagittarius men don't believe I'm, they're, she's an Aries, Sag, Aries. I'm maybe. different. I may be a little different, you know what I mean, but not toxic. Yeah, I was talking to a Sag, because at first I said no Capricorns, no Geminis. That was it. And I still won't. But now Sages are like not all the way on the list, but they're literally close to being on the list. Your list? Yes. Oh, well. Sages, I mean, I don't know, maybe not you, but your people, they are, they're a lot. Mm. <laughs> she's an Aries. Sag and Aries, it probably wouldn't work. Okay, what about this one? Now this one, she's pregnant, but we don't know who the baby daddy is. <laughs> Sexy Red. Stop, bro. Stop. <laughs> what? Stop, bro. Stop, 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 dude. Stop. Dude. She's hot. She is lit right now. We are in, we live in a sexy red era. Somebody's already smashed. <laughs> yeah, I can't put, what am I going to Put one next to the one that's already in there? No. Well, I saw her recently at a club performing pregnant and all. She was twerking and everything. I don't well, think she know, has shoes on. You can still exercise and do things while you're pregnant. Some people do that all the way up to nine, eight, nine months. So this is not your type. She's not my no, she's not my thing. No. I'm gonna pass on that. She ain't drinking wine. Somebody she, always, she drinking out the she drinking out the brown bottle. Yeah. Straight from the bottle. Yeah, she's <laughs> that's straight, henny straight. all day right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a that's a no for me all day too. Okay. Um What about I love this girl. I just interviewed her recently. Uh Brittany Renner. That's bundle of Britney. Oh, you know Britney. Yeah, I know Britney. She was just on uh, yep. Sh Shannon Sharp show. Yeah. Uh, uh, Camp Prime. Camp, yeah, Camp Prime. Uh, Prime. Prime brought her in, and yeah, she was just on Cam. Yeah. I mean, why? Why wouldn't I? Why? Why not? I mean, I don't see that she's an attractive girl. Like everybody. Smart. Yeah, she, everybody has a past. I know that the the, the stigma, the perception that probably doesn't look good. Well, she says she only she been with thirty five men. I mean, thirty five. Everybody's not a lot. been with somebody. I've been with more than thirty five women. So, in one night, according to Chad. <laughs> right, according to Chad, at least half of that, anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I would. 
I think she's single too. All right, Brittany, I'll text I mean, you this clip what's too. What's up? What's up, B? What's up, B? <laughs> what up, girl? I see you. What you got on there? Yeah, she had lace on. That was oh, the outfit. That was with, during our interview. Like I said, in Atlanta. A cheetah lace. Yeah. A leopard lace. Mm-hmm. I can sometimes. I can never tell like the difference sometimes with cheetah and leopard. My community ain't wearing lace. I don't know what it is. Now, Not the is, lace. I'm talking is, about the leopard cheetah print. Versus a like what? you said, the cheetah and the, like the print. Like sometimes you can't really tell if it's cheetah or it's leopard print. It, it was sexy on her what? at in Atlanta. Oh, that I mean that looks that's good. What's up, B? I see you, girl. <laughs> I see you with your uh, cheetah leopard lace on. I see you. Okay, now this next person is available, recently available. Available, okay. You're trying to play a uh, matchmaker. No, Jeannie Mai, she, you know, she's Jeannie. getting a divorce from Well, Jeezy. I don't know if I'm her type because you know I heard she doesn't really like black guys. She says she likes her dark meat on the side. I heard all of that, you know what I mean? I mean, and maybe I think she maybe misspoke or maybe we are misinterpreting that. Depends on how you interpret it. I don't know, I'm going by her account of what happened and how she said it and what she meant. So she's a pass. Would I smash it? Yeah, I probably would smash it, but. You wouldn't keep would, it. Huh? You wouldn't keep it. Well, that's not an option. Um, <laughs> but the smash or pass. Like I said, you would, I asked you not maybe. smash or keep. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, she's attractive, like I said, but I don't think I'm her cup of tea. Jeezy I'm, and you are the I'm same dar- shade. I'm, I'm way darker than Jeezy. No. I'm way darker than Jesus. No, bro. come on, no, man. come on, bro. I'm way darker no. than Jesus. What? <laughs> nah. Um, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, this last person. She's on a tour. Jada Pinkett. She's married. She's worthy. <laughs> <laughs> bro, who wouldn't like? Who wouldn't smash? I mean, August Alcina ain't gonna do it again. <laughs> well, he's already been there, done that. Right, that entanglement. You should need a, you need a, you need a, you need a paddle, BTDT. Been there, done that? Yeah, you need a, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm helping with the show. Well, you know, that would only come in handy if Snow Lathan was now, on the list. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Or Vivica Fox. Yeah, you need a smasher pass, and then you need another paddle, BTDT. No, what we're going to do is, this is what we need to do. I'm telling production right now, get a bell. Been there, done that bell, so they can tap out if they're already up right, there. I get it, I get it. Been, I like yeah, that. BTDT. I like been that. There, been done there, that. done that. Zebra bail with the been there, done that. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, that's it. Um, you know, damn, we actually came up with a list of names that you haven't smashed yet. That's crazy. Dude, you funny. <laughs> boy, I tell you. Boy, <laughs> right. I tell you. Your audience, boy, they're going to love this show. Oh, they're going to love this. all day. They're going to love this segment, bro. I appreciate it. This is honestly, um, this it's gave fun. me an opportunity to kind of clear my head, man. You know, obviously, like I said, just going through what I've been through the last few days, bro, this is, this gave me a moment to like laugh a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? I know it was some other topics in there, but yeah, this is this this was cool for me just to kind of get away, bro. Listen, I'm I'm glad he, he came because when we were in the green room, you know, I it was a human moment, you know, and what I love the most about you coming on the show and what I've been wanting to do for a long time is humanize you because I see the headlines, I see the headlines about me. And the crazy part is People who watch us and watch people who entertain them don't understand how media really does have control. And social media is a whole other other thing. But, I mean, I was glad to uh, know that you were coming on the show. Uh, and I was glad that you didn't not come on today, given that you're going through a real-life thing. But, you know, the fact that you were able to come, we were able to honor your cousin, too, and, and, and tell the story and, and just show your strength and humanize you. 
Man, I'm always here for you, and you always have a, a, a place at the Jason Lee Show on Hollywood Unlocked, so. No, I appreciate it, bro. Appreciate yeah. it. And thank yeah. you for always being a real one. Like, you know, when I was on my come up, before I was Jason Lee, T.O. has always shown me love, always been respectful, and so, like, I just want to say thank you for always. No, no, yeah, I, I uh, one of my, my guys, he was asking me what I was up to, and I told him, you know, I sent him the, the press thing, and he, uh, the, what I was about to do, he's like, oh, watch out for it. He, 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 he got nervous, and I'm like, bro, no, like, I'm good, like, I know, yeah. I know him, I've known him for years, you know what I mean, so, like I said, and I understand, too, like I said, what people think of you, but that's not going to deter my friendship and how I see you, because um, I'm out my own person. You know what I mean? My experience with you has been different, maybe from anybody else. Yeah. And so, I understand kind of the weight and the gravity of where I am in my life and what's going on. And yeah, I could have not done this. You know what I mean? But again, I'm a person. Like I said, if I commit to something, and I thought about doing it, but I needed to. Like I said, this was a way for me to kind of get out of the house a little bit. So yeah. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. And whoever that was hating on me. Look, no, nah, he great, wasn't hating. He we was, had a great time. No, yeah, but people he, warn people, you right know? Right, yeah. But I get it. I understand it. It's the perception. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like listen, I did a lot of dirt yeah. to get my name out there, too. <laughs> right, so I got you. I own it. But, yes. you know, Kevin Hart actually named this theme that we're in now. He said, look, bro, you need to sip less tea and, and drink more cappuccino because you're scaring the shit out of people like me who want to come and talk to you. So, we, you know, we, you know, we, right. we have the podcast room where we do the right. tea. But out here, you know, I really, my mission is to have great conversations with people in the culture to, like, really show them for who they are, you know? And this is the T.O. that I know. So I'm going to call you Terrell when you leave. But Terrell Owens, <laughs> I'll give it up for Terrell. All right. All right thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks so much for watching The Jason Lee Show. To watch more episodes like that, click right here. And if you want to see more, subscribe below and click that notification bell.